0: Blog Talk Radio
1: I'll
2: Gotta jump on it because, uh, you know, it's real funny how energy works. You know, when you're resonating you know, on a certain frequency, then sometimes you don't even have to communicate on a lower level in order to feel where you're at. So
0: uh-huh. I see
2: that tonight was going to be about Tahooty. I said, that's crazy because I just got done doing Captain America Decoded, and the whole DVD is about Tahooty because that's who Captain America is in the Marvel Universe. Um, so I was like, "Oh, I gotta come on here and, and talk about it real quick because I know the brother gonna come on and uh, and drop some heavy science, and I'll definitely uh, be sitting down with my pen in my pad." You already know, you know, you already, know. Yeah, they just they just announced that they're doing um, Civil War. I don't know if y'all picked that up, but a few years, about almost ten years yeah. now, maybe six years ago they um, released the Civil War uh, arc in the comics where they had the the Superhero Registration Act where the government was like, no more secret identity, like, we got to register you. And it went like, it was a Civil War where Captain America was like, nah, and Iron Man was for it. And then they ended up fighting each other. So it was like a Civil War amongst the heroes. And that's what Captain America 3 is, so... When we talked about Captain America Dakota back in April, and, um, you know, I was just talking about the connection between Tahuti and Hey Rude with Falcon and, and Captain America, you know, they ended up fusing the two characters together in the comics, and then they made the announcement they were doing Captain America 3 in Atlanta. And then they made the announcement, what? not only is he Captain America 3, <laughs> not only... Not only is it Captain America three they doing in Atlanta, but Captain America three is the beginning of the Civil War, uh, which they're going to be doing in the movies. So Iron Man's going to be in it. There's going to be other Avengers in it, and they're going to like you're going to. That's why Batman and Superman moved their date because they come to find out that it's Iron Man versus Captain America on that day, and they was like, we can't mess around with that. So they moved their date <laughs> so that they could have that slot. But, um, yeah, man, it's crazy how that thing rolled. But for those of you out there that's listening for the first time and want to know, okay, why the heck am I talking about Captain America's Um, one of the people that gave me great insight into realizing that he was Tahuti was my man, Clico who shares my my decoded uh, uh my decoded talents you know to T you know he's a powerful brother. Um, shout out, to Peele, uh, out, oh yeah, big shout out to Cleet and definitely him and his son um, you know which is which is the love of his life. I love following him on Facebook because you know joking. seeing that that father son love is very inspiring. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, I mean, y'all, y'all know, y'all know, y'all know. But um, the 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 movie Captain America it starts off with uh, your boy Falcon running around uh, the reservoir down in um, in Washington D.C. and the sun's rising. Now we all know Heru represents the sun, so of course you're going to show Falcon um, during the sunrise bringing the sun in. He's going around the waters of noon, right? Why is he going around the, the waters of noon? Well, it's real interesting because Noon <clears throat> was pregnant and needed to give birth, and Ra told her that in order for her to give birth, she couldn't give birth to any day within the 360-day calendar at the time, which re- represents, you know, the, the circle. Well, Tahuti ended up looking out for her by playing Ra in a game of dice, and he won, and when he won, he won 172nd of the the light in order to make the five extra days, which represents the, the birth of a saw set, you know, a uh, neptet set, <clears throat> you know, broke that whole thing down because he was able to create 365 days. Because when you look at a pentagram hmm. you notice that the degree is, is the 72 degrees, so 172nd is equivalent to five extra days out of the 360-degree cycle. So what does that mean? Well, you got Hru hey running around this circle, running around this wa- these waters at noon, and all of a sudden you hear somebody say on your left. Um, you find out it's Captain America, and he says it. He does that four times, you know, before you see uh your boy Falcon, you know, leaning up against the tree, holding his side. And what that means is, um, if any of y'all who understands the mythos, Hru hey lost his eye to set in the battle, and Tahuti was the one that actually restored the left eye back to Heru. So by him saying "I'm on your left," he knows Heru had a blind side because he lost his left eye. And the reason why he went around noon four times was because Mercury, who Tahuti represents, as well as Quicksilver, um, him going around the uh, the uh, the waters those four times represents Mercury going around the sun four times as fast as Earth because it takes. Mercury 88 days to rotate around the sun, while it takes us 365. So that's another reason why one of the helicarriers numbers was 88 um, near the end of the movie when they were trying to create, you know, the whole Project Insight thing and the, and the, the algorithm. But that whole that whole thing right there was just given credence to the whole. Uh, restoring of the eye and and most people don't understand you know what the eye represents the left eye being the moon the moon representing the phases of the moon you're talking the gibbous and the crescent things of that nature and, and that's synonymous with the fractions of the eye but the reason why hey and set were battling because it was a, cosm- a cosmological um allegory or, or analogy rather of the lunar cycle versus the great cycle because set was representing saturn um and the reason why they were battling is cuz there was a time when we were following the lunar calendar month by month but then there was also a time when we were following a greater cycle so the battle between those two was a battle between those two particular calendars and those those ways we were actually dictating time And then what ended up happening was um, the lunar cycle lost. (laughs) We weren't following the lunar cycle like that, so that was him losing that particular eye. And it also representing, you know, the fact that when you go through the lunar cycle, um, the new moon is not seen. So him losing that, that, uh, that eye also represents the fact that during the new moon, you don't even see the moon, and then you see the crescent, and then you see the um the waning um the waxing rather and then it builds back up until the full um so yeah so we got done breaking down uh doing the the visual presentation of the Captain America decoded um we did some real powerful sites down here in Atlanta we were at the Georgia Guidestone, which is real interesting because when we went down there um they had just uh cut a notch but for people who don't know who the Georgia Guidestones are, and Blue, please tell me about my time, too. I don't want to be rude to the brothers, so give me a heads up. But for those good, people bro. who don't know who Georgia Guidestones are, they're the, um, the western uh, Stonehenge. Um, in the late, in 1979, some cat with the pseudonym R.C. Christian um, ended up coming into Elberton, Georgia, which was the capital of granite on the planet. You know, they they have actual pyramid quarries in Georgia. They call them pyramid quarries. I, I feel they call them pyramid quarries because they were actually pyramids, <laughs> and the rock and stone that they're coring from these particular quarries are slab stones, and rocks. That were actually pyramids at one time here in Atlantis, where Tahuti is obviously from now
0: this uh
2: this r c Christian cat got um the bankers in there to uh take on um the responsibility from him and his uh constituents that represented you know the betterment of the planet and building a structure um that had a list of uh things that they felt were um needed needed to be accomplished in order for the earth to survive and the people of earth to survive. And um he ended up getting them to quarry um rocks blue is called blue granite. <laughs> so that's for you blue right there. And it's from the pyramid quarry so it's blue pyramid granite that these particular slabs huh. are made from. Huh?
0: Yeah.
2: Okay and and on it, um, you know, anybody can go online, type in the Georgia Guidestones, and you'll see the list of what's listed on there. They're talking about reducing the population to 500,000, um, I mean, 500 million, which is a 90% um, decrease from the current population, which is interesting because that's exactly what the old claiming they were going to do, was to decrease the population by 90%. Um, by killing everybody off. So, I, I, you know, I wanted to go there and do that to show people just how, you know, um, how much this faction, fact, and fiction thing overlap. So.
3: Look, I got a, um, I got a new word, word for it. Say what? Right? I said, I got a new word for it. Go for it. I have a new word for the dynamic of tying life and art together.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Go for it. What's You're
3: up? It's called inter-entanglement. Inter-entanglement. There it is. Yeah. Brother rich asked me, you know, what do you think about entertainment? I said it's not entertainment. It's inter-entanglement. You understand? Yeah.
2: That's right, because it's going inside, and it'll tangle you up. If you don't know what you're doing, you get caught in that spider's web. Not only the spider
3: web, but, yeah, just this whole process of how the electron works you know what I'm saying, and the fact that oh, yeah, you know, definitely. when we talk through, through these shows about Hollywood Decoded and we understand that when we're in the theater observing these movies and the visual cortex is engaged in that picture it can't tell the difference between fact and fiction, And you put on those oh yeah, glasses, yeah it's a so
4: giant
3: the giant pineal gland,
5: exactly yeah,
3: so we're talking about entanglement, you know what I'm saying yeah, you're stars, getting you know, in the quantum.
2: now you're talking about the quantum you're talking about the quantum now That's right. Entanglement where even though it's happening in one dimension, it's happening in another. So even though we're dealing with it on a fiction side here, it's still happening in a reality on a certain level that you are experiencing subconsciously. That's why you feel the way you feel, and you don't know what your spirit is committing to. So these, these slabs that this guy put up, um, like I said, everybody could check it out. Recently, they somebody actually added something to it. I'm not sure if y'all are aware, but the English lab, they ended up putting a cube up there that said 2014, and then it had, like, uh, J-A-M and M-M, like each side of the cube had a different um, sigil on there. And... um You know, when we got there, they had just taken it down. They say they destroyed it because they didn't have a permit or something like that. But it's it's interesting because in the video, y'all will see it there, you know what I mean? So we were able to to catch that little quick piece in history, which I found interesting because I was right on the um, the Equinox when it was done. So, um, you know, we made sure that we captured uh, some real physical uh, locations down here, We also went down to the Pythagoras Temple because I get into the Pythagoras Triangle and the 47th problem of Euclid um, because that's what uh, the Project Insight, the whole triangulation at the end of the movie was with the three helicarriers. Um, I mean, it's a lot, a lot of information that I touch on on the show um, that people will be able to hear that kind of puts more pieces together as well as some great animations some some awesome clips and some some great photos. Now, um, you know the first decoded was the Django, which was pretty much you know the slideshow style. I kinda did it in um, in paying homage to uh, Eugene Adams and the 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 blacks in Asia, you know style that he did. So then, um, when I did the Lucy, you know that's that's when I was able to take you know the proceeds that I got from that and take it up a little further, got the camera and everything, and we were able to film um you know, and add some clips and do that you know learn from that one, so because of the huge response, we got off the Lucy, which um so grateful to all the family out there that, that supported us in that whole endeavor. I was able to take, you know, a percentage from that and put it towards mm. Hold you on. Know, that Hollywood
3: decoded. What's that? Let them know. Right. Lucy decoded. You know, if you're checking the program out for the very first time family, the young brother here, KT, the Oscar, D, did one of the most phenomenal metaphysical decoding slash breakdowns of the movie Lucy it's available. The DVD is available at LucyDecoded.com. All
2: right, that's it. That's it. Real simple. LucyDecoded.com. That's it. And and if anybody hasn't heard any Hollywood decoded at all and wants to see what it all is prior to you, you know, um, investing in something and you know, just check it out on Note Edge Radio. Um, I think we have about maybe twelve to thirteen Hollywood decoded episodes. I, I ended up finding out, you know, when I was looking. Um so you could type in K T Arch degree, you could type in you know, the Ledge Radio and put in certain movies such as you yeah, after Earth, uh, Django, Lucy, Batman, Spider Man, things like that will pop it'll pop on up. Um but yeah, Dakota dot com is available. Um so go on and check that out and I'm going to announce, you know, on a further show, um, when the pre orders are gonna start for the Captain America Dakota because I'll I'll have a trailer drop. And um yeah, this one was <laughs> this one was a lot of fun, man. It's getting it's getting real interesting and I know every D V D we do, you know, the proceeds that we take, you know, to the next one is just gonna have it grow and grow and grow. And, you know, by the time Shoot Avengers come out next year, shoot we're gonna have it's gonna look like a million dollar production uh when I when I ship them videos out. So, you know, I want to give thanks to the people for the support. But um Tahuti yeah. man, uh to to just sum it all up what I was getting at and talking about Tahuti and Captain America, um, like I was saying with him restoring the Adahiru um noon uh, getting those five extra days out of 360 degrees. The 360 degrees representing Captain America's shield, the five extra days representing the five-pointer star in the center that he uses his protection. But the metal that the shield is made from is vibranium, and vibranium deals with vibration. It's a metal that is um, only found in Wakanda where, where the Black Panther resides. It's the only country on the planet where their borders have not been breached by colonialists. Um, there are 500 years in the future uh, in technology. It just gives you an idea of where we would be at a people, as a people um, if uh, Ferdinand and Isabella didn't get their thing going 500 years ago. You know what I'm saying? So um, the vibranium is real important because that deals with vibration. And when you deal with sound, sound represents vibrating the medium you know, of space and you hearing that vibration you picking up that vibration. And when you look at Kemet and when you look at the Olmecs and when you look at all of these ancient um, civilizations in antiquity, Machu Picchu, and you see these huge 20-ton blocks that are fused with no mortar and the other blocks that go up four or 500 feet and already are 500 feet above sea level, you wonder how they did it. Well, they did it with sound. They did it with the tone. They did it with the frequency. So you can all go on Google and type in picosecond ultrasonics, picosecond, P-I-C-O, second ultrasonics. You can go online and look up acoustic levitation, and they have a new technology called phaser technology, which is the acoustical or sound equivalent to laser. they're They're able to take lasers, which they pulsate at second um, intervals, which then end up hitting a membrane which reverberates and creates an ultrasonic frequency, which is in the terahertz and gigahertz range. And they're messing around. I and mean, they're using it, they say, right now to, um, you know, for like MRIs and all that to create imaging for the cells and for the inner body. Yeah. But the most important application of it, is in Levitation. You know, if you're talking about your boy um, Lee, Lee Scanlon down in uh, the Coral Castle and, and all these other cats that were creating these monuments, you know, where you don't understand how they were picking up these big rocks and stones, they were doing it through ultrasonic frequencies of sound. So as I wrap up, um, there's a guy named Michael Tellinger. Uh, he has a book called uh, "Slave Species of the Gods." You heard of him, right?
3: Yes, I have. Absolutely.
2: And yeah, we got to get him on the show. You know, and we got to get him Me and Rick too. Smith on the show together or something. You know. So he got um he got a book also where uh, it talks about the ancient Anunnaki gold mines being in South Africa he made a yes. rediscovery of um all these stone structures in south africa 20 million of them 20 million of them stretched throughout south africa all the way up to great zimbabwe and they look like um when when you look at it from an aerial view because they have all these concentric circles and these channels they look like um um microscopic uh, slices of the lungs and and after researching these stone structures the rocks are called uh, ringstone because you're able to bang the rocks together and they actually ring like a bell.
3: we got got a guess it's here. Um,
2: oh, the guess, is in, the guess is in the building. Yes, indeed. Okay, well, let me roll on out. Uh, com, Captain America, uh, Decoded is coming soon uh, Tune in And uh, and look out for that date And uh, I just want to give thanks to y'all For giving me this window real quick To talk to the people And
0: please, uh,
3: by all means, bring the brother on Absolutely KT, to degree, I definitely want you to stick around You know, Oh yeah um, But here we go, family We present to you tonight's presentation KTL Radio presents Off Revisited Featuring Gano Grills Join Noblex Radio in conjunction with Galacticus.com on a journey that spans continents and time spans. One of the most ancient deities in the comedic pantheon is Thoth, a.k.a. Chihuchi, the messenger, lord of communications, <laughs> in retrograde, nonetheless. As the modalities of communication remain open, new messages are always coming through to those he communicates with. Join us tonight as Gano Grills recaps a recent trip he took to the United Kingdom, which culminated in Kimmet, where he received some key messages from the Lord Messenger Thor. Also, Yano will be unveiling methods to create the enlightenment and speaking candidly on his upcoming lecture series here in New York City. Kunalini Rake the Empowerment on November ninth, Multi dimensional self presentation, okay, family, on November 16th. All right, so more information on these upcoming events. And more references to these past events that we will be discussing tonight. You can go to galacticus. dot com or his Facebook. dot com page backslash backslash galacticus uk backslash. So, with no further ado, we present to you caller from the two one two nine two zero.
6: Yes, greetings, greetings, brother. How are you?
3: Peace, peace.
6: All is well. Yes, peace, peace, love, happiness. How's everything going today, man? Oh, this is a
3: wonderful, wonderful bliss day.
6: Beautiful. Beautiful.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: Yes indeed. I just I just want to correct one thing, beloved. Um Galacticus is a Marvel book comic character that um controls the Silver Surfer. Galacticus is galacticus. the proper pronunciation. It's galacticus, galacticus, galacticus. So, and that's very specific yeah. pronunciation, and, you know, just want to clarify that one time.
0: Right.
3: Because so guys, KT, the octave reader, just speaking about the importance of sound and tones, and, you know, as I'm sure that you'll be speaking about this evening on the importance of sound tones, and, and power, word power. You know mm-hmm. pronunciation of the word is very important
6: So to
3: Galacticus
6: Galacticus And if you're looking for You know, etymology Or um, phonology It would be galaxy light In us Gal- Galacticus So that would be the closest um, You know sound wave that I could use to help remember it. <laughs> Here we are on another evening on Oda
3: Radio with our brother. What's good, man?
6: You know, everything I'm still processing uh, everything that has occurred not not just on this last particular trip to London, but I would say within the past four months alone, it's been, past five months has been really exemplary of of some really magical things happening. I've gone to the United Kingdom three times in less than five months, and um, I've, I've had nothing to do with that other than the willingness to participate and listen to the clarion call which also is an octave. It's a range of tonality that goes out to people who are operating within the sphere of their heart chakra. And when you're operating and living within that sacred space of the heart chakra, it allows you the ability to hear and receive certain intonations that will uh, trigger you to do certain random that your consciousness may not even be aware of. To give you an example, you may have a need to do good deeds to people or to do a certain act or to perform certain things. And this is basically when people would heed the clarion call that goes out that really comes from Alpha and Omega, which is on Sirius, um, they basically are put into action and these actions are observed and quantified by how higher beings who have the ability to grant you the power to do those things that most people cannot do. And it's a wonderful thing to be a participant in that arena.
3: Hey, hello. Mm-hmm. I'm here, brother. Yes, indeed. So, I mean, originally, because you came on the program, and you two would be going out to the United Kingdom. I believe that they, you know, requested that you bring one of your courses, your classes, over there. Can you tell us about, you know, that initial journey when you first went over there and would open up the portals for the repetition of these particular visits?
6: Well, it started out with a very good brother of mine. Um, PhD, Kareem, Abdul Kareem Darwish, who is uh, in Philadelphia, a, and, you know, he is with Ankh Rising Sun quite a bit, and he's the brother that, he's my big brother, and we were just building one day, and I was telling him that I wanted to go out to L.A., and this was around the time, Blue, that I was telling you that I would like to do something at, I would like to do a presentation at the Agape um, the Agape Church, because I believe the people in LA, which in my from my understanding is the second largest community of spiritual beings, so much to the point where they, they actually have a large, a large grouping of immortals that reside there in California, in New York would be actually the first place for that. It's a very spiritual place. But I wanted to do a presentation There something that I created called Death, Money, and Dreams. But ironically, the title of that presentation scared a lot of people. (laughs) So I had to put uh, the information that I presented there uh, on the back burner, but I was motivated to make that presentation um, at the Agape Center in California. So when I talked about that with uh, Brother Abdul, Darwish, um, and he is a devout Muslim and Sufi master, actually. He basically was telling me about something called the New Humanity event that was taking place in the United Kingdom. And it was, uh, you know, it was an amalgamation of people from all around the world, and they were basically discussing world events. And Michael Tellinger actually was a uh, part of that, and some other people. He was He was slated to be part of it. And Quite a few other powerful uh, monads were going to be part of that. I know that Queen Nakamura from J- Japan was there, and she's had some amazing experiences. It was a very interesting bill. So he basically was telling me that I should talk to the proprietor of that uh, of that venue, call him up, and see you know if if, um, if he would be willing to have me aboard. So I did reach out to him and I told him about Galacticus and what I do. And I basically explained to him that the difference between myself and a lot of the other people on, I don't want to say the lecture circuit, but let's just say the the community, the esoteric community, I'm not really dealing with the, uh, the woes of the dark cabal and dealing with the conspiratorial elements of what our reality is. Um, Is showing us or to people that are tuned into that. I'm dealing with um, empowering people, giving as much light to people as I can, solutions to the conundrums that we face on a daily basis, finances being one of them, uh, spirituality or people not knowing what their cosmic cause is on this planet and giving people anecdotes to things that they struggle with on a regular basis, therefore giving them the opportunity to focus more on their ascension. So he basically agreed that I would be um didn't would be a welcomed a welcomed um additive to the movement. So, you know, we made the arrangements and I went out there and I presented to a really, really wonderful audience and I that's where I created a uh, a presentation called the multi-dimensional self And I was moved to do that to show people That there are higher dimensional versions of ourselves That we are separated from Because we're, the consciousness is locked into this one-third density body And we need to open up the pathways To be able to connect with those parts of ourselves And it went very, very well And I presented that for three days and then lastly i presented it at um at hackney at the create gallery which is in hackney wick and i presented it to a whole other audience there which is you know predominantly our people and it was really really nice and i met some wonderful people that um i am still in contact with and that's how it started and the spirit basically had brought forth some really powerful things as a result of me going that first time The second time that I went back, what I did was I had all of the people that came to my presentation sign a list to see if they wanted me to come back to give them the empowerment of Kundalini Reiki, that initiation. And I got quite a good list of people. So that warranted me going back, I believe, in June. And when I went back this time, uh, I was picked up by my dear my dear friend and student, um, Wendy. And she picked me up at the airport and she was moved to take me to Alexander's Palace, which is lovingly referred to as uh, Ali Pally. And it's the first place on the planet where they actually had the world's first uh, televised event in 1936, which is equal to the 36 chambers, which is very interesting. I actually thought that the I Love Lucy show was the first um, television presentation, but it wasn't. So when we went to Alexander Palace, I walked around and I was just taken in the view. And in front of Alexander Palace, there's this lovely meadow it has a lot of foliage and trees. And it was really green. And being that I am an elemental freak, if you will, love nature. And I love, you know, the elemental gods and the elemental kingdom. I'm very attached to them. And I, I was getting a call to go down into the foliage and just just be there. So when I finished taking an Alexander Palace, we walked down the stairs and we walked in the grass. And Wendy must have thought I was crazy because as we were walking through the meadow, I was, I'm talking to the trees, hugging the trees, talking to the elemental spirits and the gnomes, the fairies, and the invisible kingdom, uh, you know, they're they're not really available on our spectrum of light optically, but they are still there and I, I feel their presence and I know that they're there. So I was greeting them and talking to them and spent a good hour down there. And right before we were ready to leave, um, Wendy says, oh, you know, hold on a second. And and I was talk I was in the middle of these three trees, just talking to the trees. So she says, I see something. So she took out a camera and she took some pictures and you know, when I got back to where I was staying, uh, she showed me the pictures, and I looked at the pictures, and there were these really bright orbs. And if you go to uh, the Facebook page, I put the picture there. You could see before, really, they're as bright as the sun, actually. You can see them really, really small light beings that are on my chest. And then you can see this huge green orb. And have you seen that picture, Blue? Yes I have the one that's located near your hand right that Absolutely. was the that was the orb um that had settled on my on my right hand i saw the i saw the orb floating into view, but when it settled on my right hand, I automatically assumed that that was Archangel Raphael because I also work with him in terms of healing and it was green and that represents the heart chakra. it also represents abundance and a great many things. So I just left it there, and I thought it was very interesting. Um, I have lots of pictures and orbs like to come around me and different, you know, like anomalies. But then I looked at some of the other pictures, and there was a triangle ship with four faces on the bottom. I thought that was really interesting. I said, hmm. So I, I didn't full, I didn't fully understand the impact of what that was until I just... Went to Egypt. Um, I went to London first, and I spent about a week there for the third time. And then I went to Egypt, and that's when it was revealed what that was, and hence the name of this name of this show. And as I was going through some pictures, uh, I came across a book called The Cross of Toth written by Crichton something. Else. I don't know his name. But it was that same exact cross, which is the Gnostic cross, that had settled on my hand, and I wondered why that happened. So, what I did was, I went into a, a meditation, and all of this information came about. And Chahuti, or Lord Tartha, one of my superiors, as I refer to him as, made it clear that this was me letting you know that I am the reason why you have come to London because there's a lot of work here to do. And also, I brought you here to Egypt, and I didn't want to make that known right away. But I'm rubber stamping your right hand to let you know who you are. And some people will say, well, you must have been his right hand man as a high priest in other lifetimes. And I'll usually let other people espouse those theories or those notions because that's come to me about three or four different times from people that I know actually have spiritual sight and spiritual vision, and that's a very interesting thing. So that's basically how it started, and Egypt is a whole other trip. But just to deal with the United Kingdom um, on the third trip, it's there have been two classes of initiates that I've empowered, and each empowerment or each class gets stronger and stronger. Um, this one particular class, this last one that... We had, there was a there's a girl named Gemma, um, Gemma Violet Rose, and she's probably listening. But she actually, when I sent her the remote attunements she saw clearly who I was in Egypt. And when we had our presentation on the 27th this past September, she had shared that with the whole class, and it was very, very interesting, as did all of the other initiates that were there. They had very clear vision of... Um, you know, what their past lives were, who their ancestors were, um, who they have been. And it's a very, very beautiful process to hear the litany of all of the testimonies that come in uh, right before people are initiated. So that was um, how this past particular trip was, and there were so many other things that had occurred. Indeed,
0: and
3: I felt that, you know, it was important that we establish exactly how the chain of communication, you know, was initiated that led you on a particular journey, because I want to show people the evidence that, you know, our messages or messages come to other people as well, and we have a choice in the matter, because you could have heated it or you could have remained home and tried to, you know, force your agenda in L.A. or what have you, but listen You follow through, and then that opened up the portal for which these other things have culminated into. Now, um, I want you to explain, because, of course, on many people's minds, especially those who have never ventured across the pond, they want to know, you know, what exactly is London like? How different is it from the States? What are the conditions of our people there? You know what I'm saying? What is spirituality Uh, You know, what place does it have in in, in London? And people think of London, they think maybe of, you know, somewhere that's gothic. They think of somewhere that, you know, uh, some very average energy might come from. Or some people might, you know, just have a picture of something totally different. You know, what were your experiences? How did you receive it?
6: Well, it's very interesting, um, and, and I'll say that, I I went to <clears throat> when I first got my words of power, there was a word that I used to evoke every night that gives you the, the power to see clearly in other worlds. So before I went to bed I would evoke that word and I would I would have a very interesting nightly sojourn. And one of the places that I started going to had uh it was you know, just, just the tapestry, the, the the way that the buildings were built, you know, I would come out of the dream state saying, wow, that's that's a really nice place. I really like that. I didn't realize until my first time walking up from Camden Lock into Kentish Town that that place that I was going to that I thought was another world was actually London. So to answer the question, London is a beautiful place that is extremely different from the state in that I have to remind myself that I'm in another country. And I believe that the people are more robust there, particularly because they have a lot more, you know, we have to go to Whole Foods, we have to go to um, the farmer's market to get, you know, non-GMO quality vegetables and fruits and things like that. Whereas in London, I believe that that's ready readily made available on every corner, wherever you go, they sit, you know, the fruits out and you can get them, uh, they're, they're at wealth with the quality of what it is that they have to offer. And as a result, I look at the people and I observe the body types and I could also sense the auric fields and the energetic fields. And those people, to me, in my opinion are actually, um, more, you know, just physically robust due to, some of the um, the dietary and some of the quality of, of enzymes that are available in the food. Um, they have a place called Sainsbury that I love to go to. And, you know, you know, the Naked drinks that they sell for like $5 here, they actually have those like, you know, quarts of that juice that's less expensive. And just the quality all around is a lot better. So I really enjoyed it and also you know when i came back from egypt back to london this past time it was reported that it's the most expensive city in the world to live in and it's it's very interesting because i know another brother that lives there and you know he's going to be going back to the cayman islands to live because he can't really afford to keep up with the demand of what it takes to survive there so the British pound is you know I think the conversion rate is one point six three so a dollar sixty three cents of ours is really one British pound of theirs, so their money is stronger, it's stronger than the euro it's the strongest, and you know it really that's another beautiful thing so when people go out there and they do well, they can afford to you know to live well in other places because you know their salary demands it, but it's a beautiful place um the people are very stylish there. I love the way they dress. Um, they're they're just as enamored and amazed by people who come from the states as we are by them. You know, if you look at a lot of these shows, they when they want to validate the cause of the show, they always put a host that has a London accent on the show to give it some type of credulous. But I I realized early that as soon as I open my mouth and speak out there, like I said, they are just as um, tickled by, you know, what it could possibly be like in the States. So, you know, I was telling Wendy that I would really love to be out there for two months out of the year. And I've already done that just by speaking it into existence. It's a beautiful place.
3: So
6: you get there.
3: You make your initial impression, you know what I'm saying, or your connection with the family, and then they open up the portal and bring you back, and you're doing these classes. You know, people are getting um, information. and gravitating to it. Are some people excelling faster than others? Do you feel like the attention level is more intense uh, as opposed to here in the States? You know what I'm saying? Is there a, a grander desire for it? Is the a cult? the sense of cultism alive, you know, being that that is the place the Crowley
6: originated from?
3: Like, you know, what's the atmosphere like?
6: I believe that the people, and it's a, I have a mixed audience out there. You know, we have our people and we have, uh, and because London is in Europe, there are students and clients that I have that are from Brussels. They're from... Um, Germany, they're from all around the world, and they basically, you know, it's not, London is not too far for them to get to, but the uh, the desire to want to understand the creator is very much alive there, and if I had to compare it to New York, I think that, you know, we as New Yorkers may take certain things for granted. We, you know, we see the Statue of Liberty, we wanted to see it we know where it's at. You know, we're not running to go to Rockefeller Center in droves or going to the Empire State Building because we live here, so it's not a big deal. But I would also say that the same also may be true for spirituality or people who are espousing some advanced spiritual modalities. There might be a reticence for people to receive that because they take it for granted because if you go to Harlem, You know, there are brothers up there that have the tables and, you know, they have it by the pound. They have books and tapes and DVDs and CDs and people, you know, there's always something going on at the National Black Theater. And, you know, so many speakers and, you know, there's a lot going on. Or, you know, if you go to Nicholas Bookstore, there's always something going on. So I believe that there uh, we have it so much here that it's it's easy for one to take it for granted, whereas it's not as available there in Europe or anywhere else the way that it is available here. So the propensity for people to really harken to the light or grab onto it is, you know, it's definitely raised there, which is the reason why I've been there and, uh, so many times in a short amount of time, which is good. And those people are ready for it. They're ready to receive the the information the energy, the enlightenment, the expansion, and they are doing the work that's required for them to have these experiences. You know. One of my first students, uh his name is John Trent. He's on his eighth cycle in my studentship program. And you know, because I because it's the, the studentship program that I have allows people I put rituals in there that allow people to have more financial abundance so that it's not a problem and that they can concentrate more on the immortal side of themselves. So one of my students out there, I have him introduce me whenever I go out there to the audience, and he shares his experiences, and they're really, really quite colorful. And on his very first cycle when he joined the studentship program, he goes into meditation and he actually sees who I am on Osgard. And he said, Gano, I was there, I saw you, and you looked exactly like Idris Elba did in in that movie Thor. And when I asked who that was, who I was looking at, they said it was Gano. So it was it was hilarious because he dialed in immediately and he has seen and witnessed so many different things from the spirit because he's following his passion, which is really to be an enlightened individual. And I would just say that's across the board for everyone that I've encountered in London, and, you know, they're definitely about it. Indeed. Now, um,
3: in terms of your visit, okay, how did that happen and can you tell us more intimate details about exactly what that process was like? I'm gonna I'm gonna give you I I I didn't hear word. the
6: question, brother. I'm sorry. What was the question?
3: No, I said I wanna know about your trip now to Kenneth, you know what I'm saying? What what that okay. Okay. So was we like, hold on, I wanna I wanna set a scenario for you, okay? Sure. Our brother, our elder you know what I'm saying? Um, I've come on this program several times, Dr. Fabian, say, people go on the
0: cemetery.
3: It's a graveyard. It's a cemetery. There's nothing there. I've been there a hundred times. People need to go to the jungles of Africa. That's where the life comes from. There's nothing in the cemetery and I'm like, um, Elder, like, maybe, you know, there's something there that you're not necessarily tapping into because you're not necessarily looking for it, you know, whereas you look to communicate with plants, maybe they're the ones that got the conversation for you. Now, I've heard numerous stories and accounts from people that have been there that are on the frequency, you know what I'm saying, and they're able to bring back certain things that are applicable to the experience. You know, but very rarely do we meet somebody that comes back and says, "Look, I went to the temple, and you know, you know, uh, uh, the ancestor came to see me." Probably said it, though. He got a revelation. He wrote a mm-hmm. book. He was communication with Iwas. You know. Right. You know. Uh, you know. I'm still trying to like scratch my head, and I'm I'm waiting for somebody to come with some sort of updated information in regards to their experiences. Um, so I was very excited when I heard that you said that you came back with something that was, uh, you know, uh, resurgent. You know what I'm
6: saying? Yeah. Well, in in regards to Dr. Sebi and, you know, what his, I, I can only speak for, I, I've heard Dr. Sebi speak before, and I think he's a genius in terms of what he knows about, the vegetable kingdom and the autonomy of the body, the circuitry of the body. I've heard him put, you know, medical doctors to shame. There's also a side of Dr. Sebi, which is interesting, and I'll say this humbly with all due respect, where he doesn't really hug the spiritual aspect of self. I've heard him really make fun of, you know, meditation and that part, you know, of of the occult part of the self, and that's not something that. Um, you know, in and, and my understanding is that what is unseen creates what is seen and not to have a connection to that part first and regale that first is almost uh lunacy. So in regards to Egypt, uh I I went to Egypt and I went to Luxor Went to, you know, I stayed in a five-star hotel at the Steigenberger, which is located in Luxor. It was. um, There is a very interesting dichotomy that is going on. Perhaps this is what Doctor Sady is referring to when he says it. You have to understand that number one, Egypt was robbed of. You know, some people say it's thirty million. Some people say it's seventy million. A billion, excuse me, dollars worth of assets and resources from the one of the presidents. I'm not going to say his name, who was there. That has implications that are far-reaching. To for a country to have that much resource taken away from it is going to affect the populace, and I did see that firsthand. I also saw the infrastructure. Is uh, you know we we take things. It's very easy to take things for granted here. And uh, Egypt is very very rich with you know it. When you go along the Nile and you go up through Nag Hammadi and you go to Aswan, and you, you're driving through Nubia and you're looking. You're going along the Nile and you're looking at the Nile River Valley of of you're looking at what gave birth to a civilization and to a legend it's very lush there i counted over 10,000 palm trees just as an exercise but in a short period of time there is such a lush lushness there that's right next to the valley and it it goes back to antiquity but also exists there is a tree,
0: Yeah
6: yeah i was counting them in patches oh. and i stopped counting at 10,000 <laughs> So as I as I went from Luxor and I went to Aswan, I was on my way to the Temple of Edfu. Uh, there was easily ten thousand trees. So I would say that the, the palm trees there, just on that trip from Luxor to Edfu, probably there there is a million trees easily. You want to talk about Michael Tellinger and the rings that he found that reverberated to be in the tens of millions. That's very very easy to espouse, brother. There, there's a plentitude there. So when you go to to Luxor and you see, you know, some of the people that are there, they they just had a major upheaval there. They've it's been going on for a while, and that that has just been appeased. So the the, the citizens there, the people that you know make their livelihood with the Kalesh's and some of the business people. Business is not as thriving as it once was, you know, a few years ago before the upheaval happened. So, you know, there's going to be the evidence of that and that can cause some of the people uh, or some of the people that own businesses to be a little more aggressive in their approach. And, you know, that's something that takes a little bit of uh, uh, getting used to. But then you look at the Um, You look at the temples and the pyramids. Now, I I didn't didn't realize that I was being initiated when I was going into these temples, but the first place that I went was um, Luxor Temple and Luxor Museum. And the very moment that I got in there, it was made clear to me through a voice, don't be one who just comes and takes. And what that meant was you see all of these people that are tourists that go there Um, Of other complexion and they're basically sucking the light and the opulence out of some of those temples. What I did was and I got this energetically, every temple and every place that I went to, I was going to the corners of all of the rooms and I was saying my heka'u, I was saying prayers, I was doing chants, I was doing mantras, I was putting light into the temples not just taking away from the the awe of it so you know we took a lot of pictures and videos and that was something that with every temple that we went to that was something that I did first I went to restore I went to offer to give offerings to the temples and acknowledgement to the spirit of what once was and if you study if you study how Egypt appeared First, pre-dynastically, if you look at the civilization, how it just came out of nowhere with everything fully intact, I like to ask people to exercise their intellect. How do you think that's possible? How is it that a civilization could have appeared on the scene? And the same thing could, could be espoused for ancient Sumeria. How is it that this great technology with all of the gods and all of the mythologies, everything is in place and then it it precipitously plummets down a chasm to oblivion. How is that possible? That's something for people to think about. And also, there's something else. Go ahead.
3: No, I said indeed. I've I've wondered the same thing. And for people that are enthusiasts about these particular um, time periods, you know, you ask them these questions and they always seem, like, somewhat lost, you know what I'm saying? Like, how can we meet a civilization at its apex and then it dwindles backwards, but then, you know what I mean? Like, that already would cancel out Darwinism, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. unless we're in time backwards, you feel me? Like, was that the apex of civilization, period. How are we going to meet it at its height? where the brother said they were using technology such as sound to move, um, you know, tons and tons of bricks and what have you. You know, our most advanced scientists are not necessarily able to implement those uh, methods right now, you know, outside of what he said that, you know, the uh,
6: military has been able to do. So, you know, I, I would like to hear your thoughts from it. Well, oh, I think that... Interestingly enough, there, there there's a brother named Anthony T. Browder who really, you know, I have a lot of respect for him, and he's gone to me quite a few times. And, you know, I may have said this on your show before, but I'll say it again because it really resonates on a deep level with me and for everyone that I've echoed this to. And I want to thank Anthony Browder for this phrase, and this is the source of where I get this one phrase from. He says that everything that we know we know, say it again. Everything that we know, that we know, will fit into a thimble. And you take that thimble and you empty it out into the uh, an eight-ounce glass. That eight-ounce glass represents the things that we know that we don't know. And then you take that eight-ounce glass and you empty it out into the expanse of the ocean. You know how big the ocean is, right? You take that eight-ounce glass and you empty it into the expanse of the ocean. That Ocean represents the things that we don't even know, that we don't know, that we don't know. Let me say that again. I think I I botched it up. Represents the things that we don't know, that we don't even know, that we don't know. And that can be analogous to the spirit world. And that's where it gets very interesting because we realize that in antiquity, they knew a lot more than what we knew Here's an example of that. If you go to some of the ancient, let's just use the Bible for an example or the Babel, as some people call it, and you go to uh excavate and try to find some of the cities that it talks about. Let's just choose Eric and Akkad. And you excavate. And you find that those ancient biblical cities, which is about six thousand years old, which is with you know certain powers that be would have you want to wanting to believe that we've only been here that long, which is preposterous. But you dig to those civilizations and you find that Akkad and Eric are about four civilizations deep, which means four civilizations have built built on top of those biblical civilizations. If you dig further down past five, six, seven, eight, nine civilizations, what you will find is that each of those civilizations that are lower are more technologically advanced than what is on top of it. And then that brings forth another question. How in the world is that when it should be more primitive? So the the answer to that question, and I'll just solve the, the riddle now, is because the presence of the gods were closer to the lower excavations as the gods began to leave this world they also took the technology with them. So when you read a book by Eric von Danik in Chariot of the Gods, he poses a great model, which is this. You go to you go to a, a, a lower world. Let's say someone you blue pill, you and your brother Navol and Crico and myself, and we take seven sisters, right? We get on a space shuttle, and we go out to the closest neighboring planet that is made up of hydrogen, just like our world. And we get off there. We take off our helmets. The only thing about that planet is the planet is a million years behind where we are consciously. So automatically, we're going to be looked at as gods to those maybe Neanderthals, coal magnets, or Paleopithecus beings that are there, or even distant hominids. So they see us touch down, take off our helmets, and between the 11 of us, we know how to build homes, we know how to farm and till the land, we know how to cook animals, or make fruit, you know, plant fruit trees, and vegetables and vegetation. We know how to do all of those things. We also know how to... Um, bring about agriculture. We know how to teach the people that are on that distant world about lighting, basic precepts of building and electricity. And we may even, you know, get get some ore from the mountain and build some skyscrapers or some low-level buildings that are made of steel and iron. And we also may build some cars. We know how to do all of those things because between the 11 of us, we know about all of the industries, and we bring that knowledge to this world. So let's say we spend two or three years there on a planet that's just like Earth but much more primitive, and we develop a following, and we become worship because we have knowledge that's, that far surpasses the beings that are there. And then one day we put our helmets on, we get back onto our space shuttle, and we leave. Everything that we built there is still going to be there. The technology that we taught the citizens or the indigenous people, the sovereign people of that world they're going to be the gatekeepers that are going to they're going to be the first line of scribes and beings to have this information and as every generation uh passes some of that information is going to get lost and more clouded and more dreary. You see where I'm going with this? It's the same thing that has happened here on Earth. The gods came here with their technologies, with their intel, with their mathematics, with the astrology, astronomy, all of these different things. They stayed here for a while, and then they left. And when they left, they also took their high knowledge with them. So they took the alchemy, the mathematics, the symbolism, the harmonics, the octaves, You know, the octave ranges and the primordial lights and the symbologies and historical and and the spells and the mysticism, the esoterical, the philosophy, the music, the science, all of those things. We have infinitesimal versions of some of those things here on earth. But when you go to other worlds, those things are much more pronounced. Music actually has a hologram that goes with it. It has colors and the smell that goes with it. Can you imagine that? But here, all we have is sound that makes you want to move and does certain things as it travels up and down your meridians, and we have a very incontestable version of what that music is on other worlds. So that's the reason why, when I went to Egypt, I understood that immediately. Now, going into the temples, and you look at, you know, and how he he built the hieroglyphs and how he other things start to come to mind of how he was the one there with Kanun. and Kunun with his mythology how he had man on a wheel and how he fashioned the body and he breathed the life into this, this clay figure that's the same thing that predates the story of Adam in the Bible and that's where they possibly got that from Chahuti was there, Lord heart was present giving Kunun advice on how to deal with his creation. He was also present there with Osar and Aset, or Osiris, and Isis, and Horus, and giving them wise counsel on how to deal with the jealousy of their brother, Set, and how to bring Osiris back to life. It was Tahuti that was there giving wise counsel. So has always been there recording everything that goes on. So in actuality, he really is the gatekeeper of the Akashic record, which is the happening and the recording record of everything. Some people call it the book of life. He would be the gatekeeper of that. So he set that system up to keep track of everything because he is that scribe. But I don't think people realize who this being really, really is, or what he's done and how much value he has brought to humanity. And it really it's interesting how other beings that I won't say their name because I I don't need to um I don't need to diminish or mitigate the value of what other avatars have brought to this world. But in my opinion, my humble opinion, Shihuti Hermes, Trismegistus, or Lord Toth is by far one of the greatest that has anything to do with keeping our world together. And I don't think that people, um, I I would just ask people to research um, who he is if you really want to be impressed by what is possible when an earth human takes his creativity or his spirituality to the point where they're not satisfied with just what they're seeing, what their their five cents faculties are giving them. He was someone, just when he was a regular human, like we are now, he was someone that was meditating. He was fasting. He was going on vision quests. He was doing everything that he could possibly do to break down the walls of the veils that separate us from all that there is. And one day he became victorious at doing this. Now, I haven't read, I I don't know everything that there is to know about Lord Tawth or Chihuti. I don't claim that at all. But I'm honest enough to say that one of the downloads that I got during my trip to Egypt was Chihuti was asked to join the pantheon of the Necturus. When they got down here, they saw him and they recognized his immense light because he had already achieved immortality 20,000 years before Atlantis sank. And that's the reason why he was basically able to give counsel to the gods because he had traversed all throughout the galaxies and the higher worlds and had brought back information that still is benefiting our reality And he gave some of that same information to the gods who are regaled in ancient Kemet. And that's really mind-blowing when you think about that. You know, he is the one that made up alchemy, magic, writing. The faculty of writing wasn't always um, here. We didn't have to write because we were able to pass holographic images into each other's databases in a nanosecond. And that would be a library of information. But we don't have that faculty anymore to the point where we're able to do that. So Tehuti had to introduce writing, and writing does exist on other worlds, but they've actually grown beyond the use of having to write because they can communicate telepathically or holographically, and we really have a long way to go in our evolution. But that was something that one of the many things that he's made available to us. And, you know, it's very, very, very interesting. So being in the the temples and doing um, some of the rituals that I was doing or just being there in the stillness or in quietness and just absorbing some of what Chihuti wanted to convey about life there in Egypt. During the golden age when they were on the planet, you know, I'm still processing that. And I have to sit in meditation, and every time I do, which is every day, what data comes out. And like I was saying before, I am really sit, I'm forced to sit down and write a book of all of my experiences or what I've been getting because it's that voluminous. Indeed.
3: Indeed, indeed. Now well as it pertains yeah. to yeah, as it pertains to the cross, you know, what was revealed to you by Sahuti in regards to the cross iconography. How does the cross which we normally would associate with Christianity um or the symbol for that matter of Christianity. How does that relate to Paul?
6: Okay. Well, okay. We're dealing with in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, the Word was with God, and God being so it was. I have a seminar that I, um, that I give called Divine World. And there's a question that I pose to the audience, and I say, who created the Big Bang? So That is a question that, you know, I like to ask people because the Big Bang is what the octave was, it was what the sound was that was billions of times smaller than a pin of a needle that burst outwardly and created the universe that is still growing five light years a day. Every choice, every decision, every thought, action, deed, and breath creates a new reality which is also something that happens on higher dimensions that instantly push out and grow the universe as we speak. So there are beings that actually created that and here's the here here's the one of the answers is because it's a as far as I'm concerned a multiple choice. It wasn't God. And God is a title of a higher being that can create a reality, a dimension, a world, but it is not the job of the almighty creator. His children do that. And for people not to know who created this universe is the beginning of ignorance as far as I'm concerned because this universe was created by a being or a group of beings and there are many different beliefs that want to take credit for it but that's something that people should know, and another question that I ask people, who created well why how did Earth get its name? Most people don't know that either, and that's something that needs to be researched and known as well so in terms of the um what it is that we don't know. And this is something that I also got in the meditation. If we don't know about the mistakes that we made in the past, in terms of I'm talking about even before antiquity, we are we can easily uh, perpetuate that over and over again. And there will come a time where Chicago might not be on the map 200 years from now. There might come a time where you know there are people that actually have the ability to see into the future. And I've heard many, many of them say that California will not be on the map. New York won't be here. Chicago won't be here. There are a lot of places that will fall into the ocean. And what that will mean is that when someone dies and comes out of their body, they're going to want to come back to a place that's familiar. But coming back to New York won't be an option for you because it won't be here. And your point of reference is going to be – It's still going to have you wanting to come back, but you won't be able to reincarnate to a place that no longer exists. And that will make your evolution um, a little more difficult. So the point is, and this is something that I've learned from Zahuti, is that he says if you learn to seek enlightenment to the point where you master your body, to the point where you can drop your body, you could turn your body into a Merkaba or a light ship. You can avoid the consequence of when the earth decides to go into a retroactive or go into a pole shift or go into a different default that rids the planet of all of the human life on the planet. You can go into a state where you're not affected by that. And this is the reason why Egypt and Sumer were able to come online at the very top because these beings, uh, Toth, Ra, Irigat, and some other higher beings that were from the older mystery schools, they had already learned to establish um, immortality. And that's the wisest thing that anybody can do because to die without full memory of who you are, you basically have to start all over again. And as I consult people I can't tell you the amount of times I've heard people say, I want this to be my last lifetime. I know this is it. And, I, you know, I don't want to be the one to tell them, no, this is not going to be your last lifetime. You have about another 50 lifetimes to go. They don't understand what it means for this to be your last lifetime. And there are some things that you have to enact in order to make that a reality. This is the reason why I – go ahead. People throw that around
3: I, I see it on their statuses On things, you know, things of that nature What exactly does that entail You know what I'm saying What sort of process, what sort of dedication What sort of intensity Does one have to commit For them to pretty much You know um, Get all of the I's dotted And the T's crossed this time around
4: Well
6: One of the things that
3: And who and
6: and what determines that? Should I say that again, please?
3: I said, and who and what determines that?
6: That's a great question. You're the one that determines that. You are the one that determines whether or not you will come back. It is only you. There's not a group of beings that say, you can't come here. It's you. And there's a great movie that one of my teachers, her name is Reverend Adara Walton. She's a, she's a, uh, an amazingly accomplished woman who, you know, has two PhDs. Um, she's a shaman. She's a healer. And she actually lives in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I, I spend as much time with her as possible. And she, you know, she told me about this movie called Astral City. I will prescribe anyone who's listening to my voice to go to YouTube, purchase the movie for four days, look at the movie two or three times. But in that movie, so what is it? Astral City. Astral City. What? Astral. A-S-T-R-A-L. Oh, okay. Astral City. Cool. Yes. Right? Indeed. That movie yes. will give you a clue as to what the spirit world is like what happens when you die. But let me give you an example of that. Because you say who determines that, and when I say you, that's what I mean. And just to give you a, a more visceral look at what that is, um, in that movie, and they, you know, that movie actually came was a gift from the spirit world. Anything that happens in Hollywood, you know, that is of a metaphysical or occult nature is a gift from the spirit world. But, you know, we could talk about that another time if you wish. The movie goes into how this one doctor lives on Earth and then he dies from certain causes. And when he gets to the spirit world, he's on a lower plane of purgatory. It's a dark, dismal, dank, wet place. And you see, like he's very disheveled, and he's, you know, he's laying puddles of mud, and all of these people are running around, and it's horrible. So there's something in his consciousness that begins to unlock, and he begins to feel remorse for what he didn't do here on Earth. He realizes that he didn't, although he had what he thought was a good, thriving practice as a doctor, there were some things that he was that were incumbent upon him to do. That he did not do, which caused him to convict himself to go to a lower astral plane, which could be looked at as a hell to some people, a purgatory to others. These things are real, okay? So when he's there, when he starts to open up his heart, he sees these two beings of light that come from a higher world, and they come down to get him. They clean him up. They put him on a stretcher because he's still carrying the negativity that he walked around with here on earth. Cause it doesn't just go away because you die. You have to work through your stuff, even in the afterlife. And it's, it's not, you know, people think that the evolution stops when you come out of the body, nothing could be further from the truth. So they take him on a stretcher and there are these two other people that are yelling and screaming at the, higher beings that have come to get this man. And they're like, why are you taking him? Why are you taking him and not us? We, w- w- Why him? So these two beings, they reach out their hand to take those two people as well. Do you know that these people recoiled and balked and backed up away from them? Like, I don't want to go with you. I want to stay here. And the two people that attempted to take the two people that were basically un, you know, questioning, they just sadly walked away, and then they disappeared through a portal of light. They took the man who was suffering. They took him up to one of the higher or one of the lower heavens for rehabilitation. Now, this is something that I warn people of. Whatever it is that you have in your consciousness that is not allowing you to grow or that's blocking you, it's not going to stop or relent just because you die. You will continue, if even more so, fervently to deal with your dark issues there. The body is where you have the opportunity to really work it out. So when I come across people that are complaining about everything or they're complaining about their life all the time, I tell them that you are blowing a great opportunity for you to shift and go to a much better place. This is where you work. This is why you came here so that you can work it out exponentially in the physical and afford you the opportunity to go to a higher place. Remember, Jesus said it, in my father's house, there are many mansions. Lord taught the basically made that clear in the Emerald Tablets. He said that everything we experience here, you are in captivity of your own body. And until you learn how to drop it at will, you're really not free. So everyone that's in physicality is trapped in their body, and we don't know how to get out of it. And there are some people that have admitted to me that they really feel trapped. Like, you know, if you really deduce your vibrations, you will get the sense that you are a prisoner looking out of your own eyes. And that's a horrible feeling. But there are some things that can be done to dissolve that effect. And one of the biggest things that one can do is to illumine oneself and enlighten oneself. When you align yourself with enlightenment, your purpose of why you're here makes itself very, very clear and light begins to become much brighter, purposeful, and rational. And that's what the best thing anybody can do is. And, you know, I've said that a million times. That, you know, I'm not a stranger to this show or any of the blog talks, but if anybody could walk away from this conversation with one thing, that would be the beginning of a wonderful life is to work out the issues and start moving in that direction. I'm not sure, Blue, if I answered your question, though, beloved because I went off on a tangent. So if I haven't, please hit me again, and I'll do my best to answer it.
3: Um, I mean, yeah, for the most part, you've answered it the best way that, I guess, you know what I'm saying, you're qualified and know how to. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was it was a multi-pronged question. You know, I was going. A lot of different things at it and I think that you qualified it by pretty much summing it up saying, you know, it's pretty much it's on you. Right. And so person will have to determine exactly for themselves what that means. I don't mm-hmm. think that there's one cut criteria uh across the board that says you gotta get to this phase of this or that phase of that. You know a person pretty much knows, and I think that that more so means that someone has to come into peace with themselves, right? And know what that peace means, and know that they're there
6: for so it all makes sense, right? Well, I, I would say also that there's an axiom called know thyself, and you know there are people that are in the church, they go to church once a week, or sometimes there are people I know that go to church every day. They they're very active in the church. And there is a reward for that kind of devotion. But because it's coming through the advent of religion, uh, it's going to be, you know, there are many different heavens. There are many different gates. And anyone who is part of a religion, whether it's Al-Islam or it's Christianity or it's Judaism, you're going to be, you're going to be relegated to go to one of those heavens. But those heavens are nowhere near as opulent as the heavens of the divine world. So a lot of people ask me, well, how come the Christians, they, you know, they don't, you know, anybody that believes in Jesus and, you know, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And, you know, they, they go to church and they do, you know, they listen to Joel Olstein or, you know, T.D. Jakes and, you know, they, they're they in the gospel choir and all of those beautiful things. Yes, they will get the reward that is duly Measured to their output of what they knew how to do, they will be judged by that doctrine, and they will be rewarding. They will be, you know, um, rewarded according to that energy that is associated with that doctrine. And if you read a book called Power versus Force, they measure Christianity, Islam and judaism and they rank at 400 There's a problem because the highest ranking you could get is a thousand wouldn't you think that religion should rank higher than that but yet if you measure the names of muhammad buddha krishna or even jesus osiris tahuti they all measure at a thousand so there's a problem with the being that's associated with the religion and there's, a, there, there's something there that's not translating. So the point is there are higher worlds to experience. In my father's house, there are many mansions. Um, there are many higher opulent realities to experience, but it's only going to allow you in if you have worked on your consciousness to the point where you can espouse it. You get it? If you cannot entertain what a higher being looks like, you will never see one. If you have worked yeah. to read and adjust your uh your retention to the point where you can perceive on a higher level, then you have no ceiling to what you're capable of um of experiencing. So when people lock themselves away into the box of religion, they do themselves a disservice because they will come back. And here's the thing. This is the thing. When you look at Astral City, this is what happens. There there are people that go to this place, which is, it's not purgatory, but it's not really an opulent heaven either. They bring the baggage of what life was, and they have to be rehabilitated. And, it, you know, there is a garden there, and, it, you know, there's a, it's a lovely place, but it's nowhere near as, as beautiful as where they could go. So even in that world, you have higher beings or a hierarchy of beings that come down or they proliferate into this world and they let them know you can go higher than this. But the way, the only way that you can get here is that you have to do the work and open yourself up to give yourself that uh, that passport, or else you'll be stuck. Here you will never get to a place where Krishna is at, or Lord Toth is at if you're dealing with a lower doctrine that doesn't allow you to have open a more open perception, you wouldn't be able to fathom it so one of the things that, like I said before, that you know I teach my students or my clients is. These are the keys to some of those realities. And when you experience the miracle that corresponds or that's associated with it, it just happens. Miracles don't have a drum roll. They don't come with fairy dust before it happens. It just happens. And then you accept it or you don't. The problem is most people don't accept the things that are a gift from the creator or higher beings because they want to question it. Or they want to diffuse it, or they want to explain it away and give it away to what the Christian doctrine will have you believe. It has to be from the devil because it's you know it's it's, it's of the occult. And the Lex Romana has done a great job at making people afraid to experience the fullness of what is divine. And that's something that we really need to come out of because there's a lot more to experience that the Creator made just for you to experience, you know what I mean? And it's all there for the taking.
3: So for the family that's here stateside that might be hearing this presentation and getting a little bit jealous because you went across the pond and, and gave the family so much over there, you know, you just seemed like your sponge out, you know what I'm saying? What are you offering here in the states? They said that. That <laughs> might want to get some of this training, you know, because okay. who doesn't want to secure their seat?
6: Absolutely. Well, I I'm always, you know, every three months I always have something going on. The the only problem is I think there are some people that might have taken it for granted, and the spirit will move you where your energies are suited best. So you don't want to take you know, my presence for granted just because I am actually from Brooklyn because as you've seen, I'm being moved all around the place and I am a willing, you know, a willing light worker to take this wherever it's needed. But what I did put together is I'm going to be doing a presentation of multi dimensional self once again. I've presented it in London um to packed audiences three, four different times as well as a altar workshop. But I'm doing the multidimensional self presentation on Staten Island for the first time on Sunday, November the 16th, on Wave Street. I don't have the exact address, but the address will be posted on my Facebook page, on the Galacticus Facebook page, and obviously on galacticus.com on the events page. And on the 26th, um, it it might be a little bit after, because I want to do it before Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving, I want to do another Kundalini Reiki initiation where I empower you on all three levels to have the full faculty of being able to heal yourself from past life issues, birth trauma, DNA Reiki, um, Diamond Reiki, and location Reiki. It's six different Reikis in one, and it's the most contemporary, as far as I'm concerned, powerful or impactful out of a lot of the other Reiki systems that people have, and it's far less expensive. That will also come after um, the multidimensional self-presentation, and that information also will be uh, posted on com, And I want to share a story with you real quick. There was a woman that I met in Egypt, and her name is Martina. She's married to a man named Herman. Very, very lovely people from Belgium, right? And, you know, I, my my dear friend Wendy and I, we were at the, uh, she was actually at the poolside That she would swim in the pool every day and she was actually talking to them. And she said, Gano, I've seen that couple because Wendy's been to Egypt about 15 times. And she says, I've seen that couple the past three or four times that I've come here, but I've never spoken to them until now. So she started speaking to them and, you know, they. she told them about me and some of the things that I do. And the woman divulged to her that she is very, very sick. She hasn't slept a full night's sleep in Six years, uh, she actually is a retired. Um, when I'm going to tell you her profession when I finish the story, because that's going to add some more credulous to it. But she has to take 15 pills a day. She, they had to induce this woman into a coma because she doesn't sleep any more than one hour a night—an hour here, an hour there—and Wendy says, "Gander, you know what? We got to we got to do something for this woman." So I said, I'm more than willing to, to help. You know, if she, if she will have us come to her hotel room, I'll give her what I got. So we made the appointment. She was in room, well, I don't want to say the room, but we went there. Her husband wasn't there. And, you know, Wendy and I went there. I took my unc, I took a blue candle, and I took some incense. That's what the spirit told me to bring, okay? So I talked to this woman, Martina. She's 59 years old. And I gave her a consultation. The last thing that I asked her, I said, Martina, why do you think you chose to have this disease to teach you? And she says, I don't know. And that convicted me on a deep level because she she gave me such a naive, innocent answer. She really is clueless as to why this miasm has descended into her body. So what I did was I took out the ankh that I got when I was in Egypt Uh, We were still in Egypt, and I did a few different mudras, and I asked Wendy to join me, and we Voltroned, and we stood over her, and I did a couple of different things, and then I started giving her Reiki, the Kundalini Reiki, and as I was giving her the Reiki, I felt these tears streaming down my face because what I did was I just opened up to all that is. And I was feeling the joy of knowing that she was going to be healed from what she told me was uh, the beginnings of Parkinson's disease that has rid her of the ability to sleep. So when I finished with that session, I laid her flat face down on the bed and I used my other tools, which is the words of power, And I spoke them directly into her elbows, her knees, where she told me that she always was in chronic pain, worse than fibromyalgia. And I did some other things where I took the holy oil that I make, and I also rubbed it into those parts. And I did some mudras, and she was out like a light. So I put the candle in the tub. I left it on because that is a portal to the spirit world. I also put a glass of water by her bed and I put the do not disturb sign on the door and we let ourselves out. And I only wish that her husband would not disturb her walk in and think that she was dead because it's probably the first time he's ever seen her. She was snoring when we left. Right. So I didn't see her for a couple of days. And, uh, we were downstairs one day, and she comes up, and she gives me a big hug, and, you know, she's she's bouncing off the ceiling. She says, Gandalf, I slept so good that night. And I just got an email from her because I've been back for a few weeks. She says, Gandalf, I've been sleeping every night, every single night um, since you left. I'm so grateful to you. My husband has been massaging me every night. I don't know fully what you did. And um, she asked me what the bill was. And I could have easily said, well, it's going to cost you $7,000 so for what I did. But I got immediately, this is not about the money. And I told her, you don't owe me anything. That was a gift for me to you. When I went to meditation, I was told that that really, that was really more of an initiation to show what's possible with the power of the ankh. The energy that I gotten from Egypt had been turned up many times over. And this is the healing that you are able to do. And guess what? These two people are retired. They work the same profession. Guess what they were? They were chemists. Chemist as in Kim, Kemet, Egypt. But I can't hear you, beloved. Are you there? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Okay, yeah, I can hear you now. So that's an example. That's an example of how, you know, when we went to Egypt, there were many different initiations. I counted seven of them that we went. You know, we went to Osiris, Isis, Horus. We went to their temples. We went to Philae. We had to do a ritual in the water. We are going to put together a trip to Egypt where we're going to repeat those same rituals. Um, and we're going to do it for March. And we're going to announce it probably within the next two or three weeks if anyone wants to go. It's going to be very unusual and different from some of the other journeys that some of the other people that go to Egypt. And we're being guided as far as I'm concerned by, you know, someone I've Refer to as my boss, Lord Tuff, and I'm very, very happy to offer that, and this is something that it's the right time for us to do, and auspiciously, we were there on the equinox, the autumn equinox, that's when all of these things were going on. Um, I did want Wendy, I wanted you to talk to her, maybe we could do something on the other time, but I wanted to just say that the very first night we got to Egypt we were also taken up on a beam ship. And I don't want to tell the story because I really don't want, you know, I want her to tell it because she's the one that had the visceral experience of it. And I get I really get tired of, of talking about all of these things that happened. I think it'll be a lot more valuable for her to tell her side of, of what happened. But that was the very first night we went to Egypt and it was very, very powerful. She actually has a lot more information of the things that were happening, but I think it would be fair to maybe another time have her just run it down the line and I'll just be in the background listening and she could tell you all about it. You not joining us tonight? Um she could. You have the number, right? I gave you the number, um that you can call and, you know, I'm sure she'd be willing to come on and talk about it, please. Well, hold on one second. You said you texted me the number? Yes, I did. All
3: right. Did you send that to me? And um, I see a message that I got from you that requires me to download it, send it as a contact or
6: something. Yeah, I sent it to, um, yeah, I texted it to your phone.
3: Yeah. So you, that you don't have
6: access to it, right?
3: Because I'm on the line with you. I'm trying to download it now.
6: Okay, and would it be send me the if email I email it to you?
3: Yeah, no, just send me the number. You don't got to send me the name as a message. Just send me the number as is on my phone. I will see that, and I'm going to see
6: if I can call it uh, via blackmail.com. Okay, I'm going to have to write it down because I actually Screenshotted it So I'm going to do that now Let me just um, I'm going to take this thing And write it there, technology is amazing, isn't it? Oh, definitely <laughs> Okay,
3: so let's yeah. see So yeah, we have a hand there. Well, because I know that, you know And being the lord of communication And of the lord of the messenger You know, we look at these devices and these are the devices and which you communicate on. Who governs technology by way of communication? Who's responsible for this iPhone six?
6: <laughs> you said say that again now? Just who's responsible?
3: Who's responsible for this iPhone six? They got it out right before the retrograde.
6: Yeah, I'm telling you, you know? man. Yeah, that, this I mean, are you planning on getting one of those?
3: Um I'm 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 looking into it. Uh, I don't wanna be somebody that just, you know, runs behind all of the friends or what have you, but as someone who is a, uh, a, a communication um somebody that is pretty much interested in communication and being ahead of the curve and things like a right. particular making. and um you know, definitely I have a fit in the world of technology I think that it would be very mindful for me to have a device of that nature to see the latest technology offers, you know?
6: Yeah. Well, you know what's funny, man, and this, this is one of the things, too. By the way, I, I sent the number. Do you see it?
3: Yeah, I think you just sent it to me. I got the phone. Yes, I do have it. Huh?
6: Okay, so, yeah.
3: Okay. And now you know that's a London
6: number, brother, so you're making an international call. I see
3: it. I see it.
6: Okay. But, yeah, when it comes to technology, we really have to be careful because, you know, there's a guy named Al Bielik who actually was uh, part of the, uh, the Montauk project or the Philadelphia project, excuse me. And he talks about, you know, going into the future like 100 years from now. And then he went 600 years into the future. And one of the things that he saw was we had no government a technology, you know, we've had – Cities in the sky. Some of the things. One of the things we have to be careful about. I just pledged that I'm going to spend two days a week without any ELF, no phone, no computer. I'm going to leave the phone at home, turning everything off, and at least two days a week, I am not going to be, you know, be accessible unless you just happen to run into me in the park in the street. Because I, you know, we have to be careful of becoming these automatrons, and, you know, I, I was at Virgil's on 44th Street last week. I just came from two auditions that I had, and I took myself to lunch there. I saw four people sitting at the table. We were supposed to, and all four of them were not talking to each other. They were looking at their phones, and I said, this is what it's come to. Like, you know, it, it, it's ridiculous, So I don't want to be that person. And, you know, one of the things that I pride myself in is being fully present wherever I'm at. But we're creating a very interesting dynamic with all of this technology where we're just really cut off from, you know, the one-on-one really, really being dialed in with each other, you know?
3: It's very interesting that you say that. Um, I'm anticipating that our next show... Uh, one of my partners requested come on the program. Um, he's been sharing some information with me for a minute now about the year 2025, 2026, and you know I've I've, I've been getting some I wouldn't say necessarily backlash, but people are telling me that you know we want the show to be a little bit more optimistic and. You know, oftentimes when you deal with subjects, you guys have a tendency to go into the uh, the realm of doom and gloom, you know, where the scenario is just not so positive and everything. So, one, I tell them I'm a Scorpio. Two, you know, I'm like, all right, I don't, you know, I'm totally optimistic. Even in the face of of, of adversity and all sorts of other things, I'm always optimistic that does not mean that I don't have a calling to still report things, you know what I'm saying, as they are or as they may be. If I can share a scenario with you and you don't want that scenario to be a reality, that doesn't divorce you from the power to change that particular scenario as you see fit, you know what I'm saying? Somebody of one. If thoughts are things, and we have a trillion something, you know, thoughts competing at once, who thoughts went out? You know what I'm saying? And if thoughts are right. things, like what about a baby's thoughts? Like do them shits come to reality? Because they be thinking about some pretty imaginative stuff, you know, that doesn't have any bearing in terms of in solid base reality. Are their minds not powerful? They just came from, you know, the great divine. You know what I'm saying? That mm-hmm. so whose thoughts actually went out when you got a million, a trillion thoughts competing for that? You know, for the uh, the, the dominion of the second.
6: Right. Okay.
3: That, that's a whole show, but
6: it, it is, is brother, and I can speak on that. I can okay. definitely speak on that. So yeah, call, call me okay. up when you have
3: the so. I just want to make this one next point. Um, you know, my brother Brian wants to speak about human design. And what he explains is that there's a background frequency that supports what we call reality. And the fact that we see things together in our society, again, we take it for granted because we necessarily think that it has so much of our um, doing, you know what I'm saying, to uh, account for it. And it doesn't necessarily have so much of our doing to account for it as much as it has a background force. This background frequency will change in the years, 2026, 2025, around those times. And we're going to see a different world, and the world that we live in will no longer be supported by this background frequency. So what people are seeing that you are um, inquiring with about, you know, the world for the future and it being a totally different world and there being uh, civilization in the sky and, you know, things just being non-supportive in terms of, you know, the skyscrapers and the buildings and industry and things of that nature. You know, I have information that's willing to compete against the vision of people to think that that's going to be intact. I don't know whether people are prepared to deal with that, but I'm no longer going to allow people's, you know what I'm saying, short-sightedness or inability to deal with reality of which, They're adding on to it with their complacency to begin with. because I see that people are not willing to do too much of anything to change, you know what I'm saying, or to maintain a particular order that they consider to be, all right, I can live with this shit. One minute you're telling me that you can't, next minute you're telling me that you can't. One minute you're telling me that you're uncomfortable in this country, next minute you're taking it. So I I don't even, you know, when it comes to people, that shit is confusing, you know? Yeah. So I'm well, I think the- it's possible to say, we're going to put the information out. That's my responsibility, you know what I'm saying? Right. And if people think it is, you know, too much to bear with, like I said, put it into a comic book. Use it as entertainment, if Write yourself a fantasy and get your ass in the comic next here and make a million dollars. You know, Marvel Comics might pick you up and turn it into a movie. You never know.
5: Right.
3: Let it inside or just tune out, but there are people that have information about the very near and distant future that they need to share, so those that are concerned and aware about preparation can do that, or those that want to make sense about what they're seeing today and start putting things in the proper place to
6: Okay. Oh, uh, do, do I have the I have the mic? Yes, you do. Yes, please. Sir. Oh, okay. No, I I heard everything you said, brother, and I feel like you and your brother Red, you are in somewhat of an interesting position because it's like what you said. You present the platform for information, so don't, beloved, take it personal. You know when someone offers you that because you're the gatekeeper. And some information is not so pretty to hear. Certain things are not so, you know, there are times where um, I've had this really rivet myself to the seat to keep from walking out, but I needed to digest the information. How much I let it affect me is something else. But I made it very clear personally that I will not be someone who does not provide an antidote, an antidote, a solution or a ray of hope to the darkness that's here. And that's one of the things that I'm proud about because whenever I get off the phone or someone leaves a consultation with me or I do a healing session, people always leave illuminated. They always feel really, really happy and hopeful. People leave my things. They are titillated and they're satiated with Wow, I never knew that. Okay, I got some. I really, I want to study that. I want to do some research, and that opens up the chasm for more. But that's just me though, and you know, everyone has a position to play, and it's really important to to side of you know make it clear what part of the team you're going to be on or what which team you're going to be on. And I know what team I play for, and what I bring to the table. So you know, you're here, you're doing your work, you're playing your position. And you have the platform, there are people that don't wanna hear what I have to say because maybe it's too optimistic or they don't wanna you know it's it's too they may feel it's too heady. you know everybody's not gonna resonate with everything you know what i mean so don't don't take offense to that and um just let that roll off your back, brother now are you gonna be reaching out to Wendy or
3: yeah i'm I'm definitely gonna put the numbers in in dollar. you said that she was gonna. To- also address my um my question as it as it pertains to the competition of thought you know thought of things and we all share the same second you know, but our second has exponential potentiality in it so it to be different among the spectrum of people you know
0: who have lives
3: on this planet, but we're all thinking things you know what i'm saying how do thought go through the process of manifestation where one sort of competing with another. And like I said, you know, do babies have the genealogy thought
6: Or do the
0: elders Oh, have okay,
6: the okay. So so the to answer the question, um I'll I'll t I'll make an attempt to do that is first of all, babies are not thinking. Babies are being. Babies have come from they have all the energy that they need to sustain them for quite a while. So they they're not they don't have to think, okay? We don't develop the faculty or, or cultivate what that is until later on. And in terms of understanding the proponent of what a thought is, and by the way, that comes from the god Toth, or Toth, Thoth, some people say, I say Toth, um, that thoughts have weight, size, density and the bigger you can think about something you impregnate it with a certain resonance and that basically determines what if it's going to come into this reality or not there is an artful way of thinking about things i know people blue that cannot manifest a frank and that's a that's a that's a terminology i use that they they're 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 good people but they can't manifest. Manifesting things into reality is a technology that takes the ability to visualize something and bring it into reality. There are also people that can instantly manifest something like Oprah Winfrey or Tyler Perry. The more you you do that when you make your first manifestation, it gives you the confidence as well as a template or an example of which and how to do what created that in the first place, right? So there's an artful way of doing that, and someone who's successful once can be successful again based on that template that he created. There are people, um, there are also other things that may impede one's ability to manifest a thought into reality, and that's one's personal belief, because a lot of times you have people that are self-saboteurs. They say that they want to do certain things, but they really don't want what they're saying. That's antithetical to what they're saying. Therefore, their actions are not, you know, lining up with what their beliefs are or what their true heart's desires are. That may also be the reason why someone does not call into reality something that they say that they want to be and will not happen. Then there are people that don't say anything at all. You know, the Jews have a saying, say less, do more. So your actions basically determine what you will do. But then there are people also that, you know, I believe you have to speak things into existence because we were spoken into existence. I have by accident spoken some wonderful things into existence just by espousing it, and then it happened. Like I said, I wanted to go to Egypt, and I said it to someone, and that someone made sure that I went to Egypt, and I said, oh, okay, that's how it works. And I continue to do that over and over again. So there are some things that have to line up with the action of you speaking that make the universe respond to the specificity of the measurement of the weight and density you're putting into the things that you say you want to be a reality. Does that answer your question? Yes, um,
3: partially it does. I do have a question in response to your answer, and that is it's children or babies for that matter, and when I say babies, I kind of meant children, you know, not so much uh, a newborn, more so I'm looking at my nephew, you know, children that are like four, five, six, that have a vivid imagination. So what is imagination? Is imagination
6: different from thought? You know what I'm saying? Is it different from the Yes, it is. Thought. It is. Okay. Imagination okay. is our images, imagery, a menagerie, an arpeggio. Thoughts are constructed thought forms of, you rational, of of rationalization. You thinking about walking to the store, getting something, paying the money for it, having enough money to pay for it, having a variety of things to choose from, walking out of the store, but wait, crossing the street, coming back to your place. That's rational thought. And it's different from just being in the stillness of imagination or imagination. So babies don't have the faculty developed to where they can concourse or construct a rational thought in their brains. They don't need to do that because their brains are not developed to that point. They can just be in the image. That they remember from the spirit world, and they're very entertained with that. They are also visited by elemental spirits, and it's a wonderful thing. Well, I definitely appreciate, you know, that level of clarity.
3: Um, I have a greater understanding at this particular time. Look, brother, uh, you know if it's okay with you, we're going to prepare for our 11-11 medication medication as well yeah yes sir and as we come back I'm going to make the phone call so we can bring cool. fantastic and as a gift for the family here tonight on KTL radio we are going to bring in our brother Coach Kaya so you can Facilitate this eleven eleven meditation,
6: Coach Cahier. Yes.
3: All right. Yes, indeed. So, with no further ado, we present to you, follow from the three three six, Peace
5: Coach, peace. Peace to the gods, peace to the family, peace to the wisdoms, peace to the goddesses. What's going on? What's up, Gano? What's Coach what's guy up, How what? you
6: doing, but teamwork make the dream work, doesn't it?
5: Uh-huh. And, and I just I just came off of a, a um magic carpet ride myself. And it seems like when I was coming in for a landing, I just saw y'all floating, and I just, just stepped over from my carpet over to you all carpet. I let my carpet just get a rest. So, yes, sir. Uh, seems like y'all, like, the vibe I'm on, that's why I even asked to do this. So I'm going to just go ahead and get ready to start setting it up. You know, we got about three minutes. Just some things you were talking about. Creativity, that was one of the things. We were talking about mental health, mental health and mercury retrograde and how they – how they go hand in hand because Mercury deals with the mentality, and it doesn't just rule J but it also rules Virgo. And um, one of the um, one of the things that uh, brother, one of the callers who had called in and had quoted was talking about the visualization. Was um, there's nothing created in this world that did not start did not first start in the imagination of a human being there is nothing created in this world that did not first start in the imagination of a human being and i want that to be the basis of this particular meditation tonight you know the moon is in cancer and mercury is in retrograde but we want to be opportunists and have ourselves situated where we are centered and concentrated which is the purpose for the meditation to take us into centering. We don't have to focus, we just need to center. So if everyone will just sit up in their chair with their feet flat on the ground, take off your shoes if you like, or you can lay flat on the floor, or lay on your back, and just, just just start to let it all go. We're gonna inhale big and pull the shoulders up to the ears. Exhale out the mouth and drop the shoulders. Inhale big and pull the shoulders up to the ears. Exhale and drop the shoulders. One more time. Pull all the tension up with the shoulders. Inhale. Exhale out the mouth. Relax the shoulders. Bring the attention down into the navel as we relax the entire body. The spine is straight. The chin is slightly tucked and we are inhaling and the stomach is slightly expanding. Pull the stomach out and it expands, inhaling through the nose and exhaling through the nose and slowly exhaling as the stomach falls towards the spine. Slowly inhale and realize that this vital force is our lifeblood, the prana, the chi. And slowly release it. There is no shortage of life force. There is no shortage of breath. Slow inhale. Slow exhale. Feel even the nurturing qualities of the exhale. And let your attention Be on your breath. Slowly inhaling, feeling the energy rise up to the crown. And slow exhale as the energy cascades down the body, down into the thighs, the knees, the ankles, the feet. Slow inhale, in all the nurturing energy of the universe through the crown down into the abdomen. And exhaling slowly, letting all the gray matter transfer down through the thighs and the feet into the earth, deep into the earth. Continue this breathing And remember to start to connect. The breath is connected to the life force of the universe. And you are the center of your own universe. Each breath takes you away from the turmoil and puts you closer to the God quality within the peaceful one within, the Buddha within, the ocean within, the Christ within. Inhale. Each exhale is centering you into your divine purpose. You don't even have to ask. The universe is revealing it to you. With every slow inhale, every slow exhale, you are having revelations. You don't have to want, there is no struggle, there is only ease. Feel yourself in the center of this healing bubble. And this bubble is as large as a planet. Feel the rotation of your breath coming in and out of your lungs and your abdomen. Feel the inhale coming through your navel, centering yourself. As you summon all the assistance that you need, staying relaxed, very centered. The mind is very calm. You only have a desire for peace and tranquility. Nothing else matters. Nothing else exists. Stay relaxed. centered on your wellness, on your prosperity. Going to start to ascend and come back out. Slowly taking inhales. Returning your landing gear. You are like a large eagle, a large falcon, approaching a branch and a very strong tree, very high, high, tall tree, you are a falcon soaring back in and landing to survey your domain with peace and confidence. As you glide in and securely rest your talons on this very strong branch. You are relaxed and confident as you look out over your domain, very centered. Tonight I'm going to recite the Usnisa for the family. And Afterwards we're just going to come out and slowly open the eyes. Taking a nice, small, slow breath, inhale. Namu Bhagavate, Triloki, Prada Visistaya, Buddha, Bhagavate, Tariyata Om, Visidea, Visudeya Sama Sama, Sama Tava Spirana Gati Gahana, Sawaha Vasudi, Abhisankatu Mam, Atu Vera Aharu Aharu, Ayusam Dharani so da Gagano, so da hai ke ganu Ramzan. Samkodite, nisu avalokani sat Paramita Parapurani. paraparani savata gathe mati dasa bomi paradita savata mahamudra Vajrakaya, samatana vasuni savarana Pai nigate avala vasuni padini jata ya ayusuri samaya anastite Mani, mani, maha, mani, tatota bhuta koti pera suti, visputa bhuti suti. Jaya, jaya, vajaya, vajaya, smara, smara, sava, buddha, anastite Sudi Vajra, vajra, gade vajram, bhavatu, mama yam, sarva satvanam, kukaya, pera suti. Sarva gata, pera suti. sinkame, samavasa, Yantu Sarva tata gata, samavasa, anastite. buddhaya. Buddhaya Bodhaya, Bodhaya, Vibodhaya, Vibodhaya. Samatha Parasuddhi. Sarvatate Gati Hidayah. Anastitin Anastitin. Mahamudra. Swaha. Take another inhale. And as you exhale, slowly begin to open the eyes. And just visualize that you're looking at your dreams manifested right before your very eyes. What is it that you want tomorrow? See it right before your eyes right now. Just look just into, just a little ways out. Hold that desire in your heart. Ashe, Ashe, Ashe. Ashe. All is well. Peace.
6: Ashe, Amon, Peace, King.
5: I appreciate y'all, uh, blue and red. So let me come on and uh, meditate and pray with the family. Uh, uh, thank you, much respect.
6: Thank you, Coach Kaya.
5: Thank you, Brother Gano.
6: We have to talk soon, okay? Let's talk tomorrow, brother,
5: okay? Man, call me. I got some. Whew,
6: absolutely. Okay.
5: Okay. Uh, can I make a quick we, announcement? We... Uh, uh, red and blue.
0: Hey, yeah. It's
5: good. Um, tomorrow, uh I know a lot of y'all know, um, I'm, all, I'm a member of I'm uh, Ku is my mentor of cosmophysics. Uh study with uh and Kristen and Marku and all them, but my specialty yeah. is is the moon. And uh tomorrow is the beginning of a new twenty eight day moon cycle. Um us who know we are Native Americans know we used to tell many stories by the story we never say many years ago. We would say many moons ago. And so tomorrow is the beginning of a new moon cycle. And I call these cycles the periods where we create our own magic. Just like Gano said, um, and I have developed this into a systematic, scientific, reproducible every month system that I call Moon Magic Twenty Eight. And um, if anybody would like to join uh, tomorrow for this fabulous journey for the next 28 days, you can just go over to the site www.moonmagic28.info. Um, but there is a there's a window, a sign up window, because you have to embrace every phase of the moon. So if you'd like to join, you have to be on the ark like Noah. Before the 17th. The 17th is the last day to register for the course, and then it won't be open again until, um, until November. So, um, those who would like to participate, uh, I invite you to come and join. I got tons of surprises for, um, for everybody who's, even the people who've been rocking with me for four or five months. I got surprises. I'm stepping my game up this month. And um, if you got any questions, you can just leave them on that page as well. If you're not sure, you can just watch the video and read what's on the page. And then if you have any questions, you can just fill out the form and i get back to you first thing in the morning. I appreciate that. KTL South, checking out. Peace.
3: Peace, King.
6: Okay, brother. We're back.
3: Indeed. You know, my studio to refresh itself, brother. Really? Okay. My, my telephone, okay. I get to the minute I was going to put the number in. Okay.
6: In the meantime, to... I want to talk about an invention that um came to me. And I don't even know if I should call it an invention, but let's just say it's a, it's a modality. Um, it's called the Cosmic Beacon and the information actually is on galacticus.com, but basically, it's a it's a beacon that you wear around your neck, and it connects the wearer to their divine parent as well as their divine self. And there are testimonies that I'm going to be uploading this week in regards to the people that have had them with them. They're quite a few people that have obtained them already in Atlanta, in New York, in London, and in Switzerland. And they're reporting them back to me, which is fantastic. Um, Wendy actually just told me that because it's there's an atonement process that goes with it. But when she wore it, I forget what day she's on, she was sleeping. And actually, you know what, I'll let her tell it because I don't want to tell her story. Yeah, let me, but she shared that with me, me, which is great. Uh,
3: you can call out now, um and see what happens, okay? Let's go for it
0: man. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hello? Okay.
1: The number you have dialed has not been recognized. Please try again.
5: Okay. Please greeting. Wendy, are you there?
3: All right. So I'm, you know, I know this is a lot of digits. (laughs) Yeah.
6: Is it supposed to be 12 digits in here? Yeah, it's London, UK.
3: Okay. Try one more time.
1: The number you have dialed has not been recognized. Please try again.
6: You probably need um. You, you may need to have an international on your uh, on your phone in order for you to call through.
0: Um.
3: Yeah, I'm doing it through Block Phone, and I would assume that mm-hmm. they have that service provided. You know, being that this is the internet,
1: right? And, you know. The number you have dialed has not been recognized. Please try again.
6: You know what I'm going to do? Let me try from my end. All right, yeah, please do. It. If
3: anything happens, um, just go back in.
6: Hello? Please. Yeah, hi, you're there. Um, you there, Wendy? Greetings, peace. Can you hear, Wendy? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to carry on without it.
3: You want to try it one more time?
6: Yeah, she said that her land, her landline rang. Yeah, I'll try it again. Okay. Okay. Okay, let's
3: see. now. Thank you Sammy for joining us.
0: Uh,
3: just taking the pause for the call so to bring in an additional guests this evening's program. And shout out to folks Kyle for his assistance and beautiful meditation. All right.
0: Yeah,
6: Yeah, Okay. Okay. Well, maybe we could do it another time. Definitely not.
3: Okay. All right. Did she did say that the phone rang on her end from blog talk or from you? Are
6: you there? Yeah.
3: Okay. You want to continue?
6: Yeah, yeah. Let's continue.
3: All like right, family. Now is the time that we hear from you, the audience. So any questions, comments, or concerns, now is the time to press press one on your phone, and we will be going to the first caller accordingly. Caller from the 712-212. Caller. Seven one two peace. Welcome to Notole Radio. Seven one two caller peace. You
6: know we are in that retrograde, you know. <laughs>
3: indeed, indeed. Let's go to mm-hmm. call from the eight one zero six one eight. Call up from the eight one zero six one eight caller.
0: Peace. Peace. All right. That line is up. there are any
3: more callers on the line that have any questions, comments, or concerns, please? Now is the time to press one on your phone for the callers, but we can continue with our bill. Absolutely. I want to ask a question that I didn't get around, so I don't know why, you know, We have heard different accounts of Tahuti throughout the ages. Some people even speak about these basic forces as if they're only relegated to our past. Some people cannot imagine that they would have a modern-day context because they're so fixed to seeing them from images shown to them 3,000 years ago, and they speak of them as if they're ancient. There's nothing modern about them. But their references Okay So in fact If you did encounter this particular force Can you describe The Ruthie to us Can you also describe the experience Was it something that was physical Or was it something That was more so um, You know Spiritual and amorphous Like a dream state That's a
6: great question I personally have not I haven't encountered his physical um, appearance yet. I'm still communicating with him through, you know, the way that he... The thing about the gods is that a lot of times you don't see them because it could be very damaging, but if you you have to have a very, very strong ability to... Um, it's something that you have, have to have developed providing the person isn't telling a non-truth. Um, it takes quite a bit for you to be able to see a being like that. I do know someone who I've I've met recently. It's a woman, actually, that lives on Staten Island. And she has worked, she told me that she worked with Toth for three years. And she could not look at him um, in the beginning. She actually said that he appeared, or you could see, he appeared on the side of her. And he did that so that he wouldn't blow out her, her neurosynapsis and her optical cortex. There is extremely brilliant, brilliant energy that emanates. That's not just optical, but it can really, really give you a sensory overload. So the more time she spent with him, she said that she actually saw his breath coming out of his mouth and she heard him breathing. She said he's very tall. And then she said that over a period of time, she could begin to see him. She wasn't just feeling his presence to her side. A lot of times when the gods show themselves, they show you half of their face or they'll show you a reflection of them. They do that to protect you. So based on what you know, the woman was telling me, she said that she um, that Tehuti is obviously a, a dark-skinned man and his features are very, very pronounced. He's very broad, extremely muscular, and tall. And his features are just—Gods ex- are a lot more pronounced than any, you know, any of the the best male models that or female models that you may see here on Earth. If you go to the Luxor Museum and you look at the bust that they have there of Akhenaten. Have you ever seen a bust of Akhenaten and what he looked like? Every morning when I wake
3: up and look in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs>
6: well, the the bust that's there in that museum, yeah. they say he was about 15 feet tall. He's extremely, um, I was face-to-face with him. You could see the pictures on Facebook, but his features are palpably heightened and exaggerated. You almost become hypnotized standing in front of it because your senses are scrambling to make sense of that level of uh, configuration because it does not have anything to compare it or juxtapose it to. So therefore, you end up being hypnotically trained by what you're seeing. And this is a lot of times what happens when you see the gods. But I have not um, gotten that Yet I experienced the gods um, In the other ways that they come It's not, you know, it hasn't been that yet I've only seen the visions of them But in terms of uh, a physical, amorphous, uh, globular light That some other people have experienced I have not experienced that yet And that is the account that I've gotten From somebody that I know um, That I've met recently That told me that they They've worked with the God, and that was their parents. Indeed. Mm-hmm. And, uh,
3: you know, since we're talking about words and we're talking about power, and we're also talking about perception, I was wondering, in your experience, or even, you know, based on your own thought, if somebody were to refer to the same entity by different names, meaning, if someone were traveling in Kemet and they were looking for Osiris or somebody was traveling in Egypt and they were looking for Thor as opposed to somebody, you know, that was, yeah, let me go back, as opposed to somebody that was traveling in Kemet and was looking for Yahudi, you know what I'm saying, or somebody that pretty much has already a fixed idea of what that entity or that deity looks like, is a different entity going to appear based on the different word power that's being used to call upon that entity? Is that entity going to configure differently based on the different perception of the word power used?
6: That's a great question, and the way that I would answer that is to say, let's say Osiris, which is a Greek name for Osar, or the Egyptians call him Azurus. Either one of those names are applicable directly to him. There will be no other being to present itself in the place of the god Asar based on those three names. The same way, let's take it to Jesus. Some people say Emmanuel, which is a priyadi name, or Yeshua, or Senenda, or Isa, or Yahshua ben Joseph. All those different names are applicable to one being that walked the face of the earth 2,000 years ago. But another being would not take the place of who you are allocating that to. So, to answer the question, and just also to, to give you an algorithm, the movies that I've done, I've had a different name, and I in all of those movies, every TV show I've done, I've had a different name. There are some people who call me Frisco because they liked Into Deep so much, and they liked the character that I played, and they refer to me as such. And I'll accept it. But in their minds, they Mm -hmm. lovingly and endearingly refer to me to the image that they preferred me as in one representation of my talent. The same is true with the gods. So some people call him Trismegistus or Mercury or Quetzalcoatl, but he is still that same being. Some people even call him Dijanti or Juti or uh, he's had so many different names. You should call him his Atlantean name, Chiketet Varmalite. So it depends on what names he's had. And the gods have gone through many different personages, but they are still the gate holder of the energy, of whatever yeah, this, you call it, and it's going to go to them. Right.
3: Yeah, each of yeah. those names that you've mentioned, right, come different images because... He also can be called Enoch. You know what I'm saying? He also can be called Metatron. All of these images, all of these names that I'm speaking both entirely
6: different images. I have to jump in. Let in. me jump in. I have to jump in real quick. That's something that, now here's the thing. I've actually, you know, there are people that say that he was Enoch. Some people say that he was Enki San Ning- or, or um, son Ningashita. I don't agree with that though. I don't agree with, um, I think that that's a, a major conflict. And I also think it's, and I'm just speaking about that particularly. I also don't see how it could have been Enoch. And if I'm wrong about that, um, I would be, I, I definitely welcome to be corrected because there's a lot that I don't know. And I'm, you know, I study quite a bit, but that, I don't know that to be the case. Now, if we attribute that to the question that you asked and you're calling on Enoch and you're expecting Tahuti to answer, but Metatron isn't him or Metatron isn't uh, Tehuti or Enoch isn't Tahuti, somehow, sometimes people make them analogous. Some people even say Jesus is Tahuti, which I think is ridiculous, but that's also purposely out there to derail people throw people off off of the specificity of who they want you to direct your energy at to cause this information. This information is also very purposeful and deliberate, you know, to cause chaos and confusion. So that also has to be watched out for. I don't know Tehuti to be Enoch or Jesus, you know, and I don't agree with that. I also don't know him to be Enoch turned into Metatron but there are people that believe that for some strange reason, but that is not my belief. Indeed.
3: Indeed. I mean, I feel that, you know, we covered that part of the statement that I made. But what about mm-hmm. the fact that even if we exclude those different personages and we go back to, you know, Quentin Cotto, for instance, you know, or we go into um, the Jante, for instance, you know what I'm saying? Now right. we're talking about entities that take on totally different forms. Again, like I said, to fit the configuration of where they're appearing, who they're appearing to, and the time period that they're appearing in. And it takes a slight differentiation from what we see from, you know, the thematic the, the aspect of things. Right. Well, now, here's the
6: thing. The I on. still, is. you're still connecting to that being because there are different energies and informations that Toph had that Tahuti wasn't using at the time, or that you know if he wrote the Pyramander book, or the Book of Toph, or the Kaibalion, or the Emerald Tablets. He's still the same being, and he will still accept. The worship, or your, um, or you're contacting him based on that name. Let me give you an example. When I was initiated in 2011, I created um, a galacticon, a galacticon is a group of like-minded people, and we got together every single Friday at high noon, and we would do mantras for the planet and there are a lot of people that could attest to that. Sister Confonia was part of that, a watch, brother Omar Bashir, you know, there have been different versions of it based on the availability of whoever was w- willing to participate. Now, here's my point. Okay? The galitegon was suggested to someone by the imagery of Lord Toth or the god Toth. He gave that technology to uh, for us to utilize to benefit the planet. It didn't come from the personage of Tahuti, the Janti, or um, or Trismegistus. You know what I mean? Or the Sword of Orion, or the Grand Communicator, or any of these other names, or Shanti, the Beloved. These are all names associated with Tahuti. It came from the Toth version of. Who he is and was, so I attribute different names based on what messages or what technology came through that um that entity at a certain time, and the like I said the energy um or your direct when you direct a prayer or request to either one of those names, it is going to go directly to him because he is still all of those beings. Does that make sense? And that's why I gave you the analogy if someone calls me Cornbread which is a character that I played in the movie Shaft, it's not who I am now but it's a representation of who I played 10, 12 years ago in a movie. I'll laugh at it it. but I'll still accept it.
3: Right. Right. You can receive it.
6: No, I'm going to clear that up.
3: You know what I'm saying? I think that you made sense to an area that baffles most people in, you know what I'm saying, where a lot of people get confused and they get to arguments and, you know what I'm saying, uh, mental wrestling matches over what's the right name versus you're not putting the situation on the last letter, therefore, you know, the communication won't be complete and things of that nature. And I know that there, again, there's something to be said about a particular name and the right pronunciation of the name, because the name carries a certain amount of power, and the name carries a certain amount of numbers, and those numbers have a concordance. So I do understand that there's a certain level of importance in that. But I'm glad that you have clarified and cleared up that you know. Yeah.
6: Well, there's one, there's one crucial element that also um, that conjuncts everything that I said previously. And you know what it is? Intention. So if your intention is based on a collaborative desire to reach a specific individual, and you know who that is, and it's it's quetzalcoatl, or let's say, you know, some people even say that Ganesh is a form of Tahuti. and they're directing their energy intently on reaching the version of To Huti that might be associated with Ganesh as the obstacle remover, they will still get the benefit of that period. Now, if you don't have an intention and a clear specific directive of who you are offering your supplication on your request to, that's when you open up the dark closet for other entities to answer the call based on you not having the specific galactic code or a certain name or you you, you, you leave out a, an I or an E or a vowel and that's when there is, you know, it's not a, a breach or a law that's being broken mm-hmm. for another darker entity to step in and give you that and also, and you know, attack or attract itself to you. Yeah. Uh, that's I part of the rule. Have for me. A, right.
3: I think you have I think he did a good supplication to the messenger God, and now he has awarded us with a gift. So we have a caller here, caller from the four four, caller from the four four two. Peace.
1: Hello, hi, it's Wendy from the, from the UK. Greetings, hi, Wendy,
6: you. you made it.
1: Yeah, I thought I'd call in. Be easier.
6: Beautiful. This is Wendy Blue.
3: Uh, greetings, Wendy.
1: Hi, greetings. <laughs> Thank you. you no, know,
3: I knew in the back of my mind that things would work themselves out. I just <laughs> And I got into the I, whole application of I can a, just
1: about uh, hear and, you, because your lines is muffled.
6: There
3: you go. Oh. Hello?
1: Yeah.
6: yeah, Wendy, it might be just a little bit of delay, so, you know, just be patient okay. with it, but... Um, Yeah,
1: it was a bit muffled. Um,
6: My line is a little muffled. Can you hear me now?
1: Just a bit, yeah. No, not really. Hello? Okay, Yeah. Can you take me
6: from
3: here? Yeah, sure.
6: Okay, Wendy, can you hear me clearly?
1: I can hear you clearly, yeah.
6: Okay. So, you know, I I was explaining. Have you been listening to the show? Yes. Okay. So basically, you know what you know what to. Um, I I've done. I've been on this show about three or four times, and spirit is telling me that you should be the one to talk about some of the things, some of the miracles. Would you say you've witnessed some miracles um, since we've been rocking and rolling in London?
1: Yeah. Okay, yeah.
6: so I'm gonna let you talk about that. And I'm going to be quiet and I'm going to just let you rock out.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh. Um, well, I think the first one is uh, probably to start. I mean, it's, <clears throat> my voice is a bit rough. It's 10 to 5 in the morning here. So, uh, forgive me if I'm a bit sluggish. I first met Ganna at the Multidimensional... No, yeah, the Multidimensional Workshop um, in April. And... Um, And that was quite an illuminating um, presentation. And at the end of that presentation, Gano gave us uh, uh, a call for us to come up um, and receive um, one of three gifts. And um, I asked for intercession uh, with the ancestors. And um, right at the end of his presentation, Gano also gave a call for people in London who wanted to... um, come along for Kondalini Reiki uh, initiation, which I immediately um, sprung onto because I was supposed to do Reiki initiation about eight, nine nine years ago. And for for a number of reasons, it it got cancelled twice. So um, I felt very inspired by the call. So two things happened um, straight after... I think approximately two or three days after um, the multidimensional workshop, I immediately got a check for just short of 500 pounds, which that must be something like $600 or something like that. Um, Because one of the things that Ghana had been talking to us about was about wealth creation um, and ancestral money. So, um, and that happened three times. There were three events. Um, where money just kept flowing through, and that was I was feeding that information back to Gano primarily to say, yeah, it's working. And then in June when he came, and uh, Gano has already explained to you about the airport, and and that wasn't even a planned trip. I mean, you don't take somebody to a massive park. Um, on the way back from an overnight flight, you know, immediately the person just wants to sleep. But I felt guided to to just go through this particular um, area and the rest you already know. So that was the beginning of um, this week. And prior to Gano coming, we'd already start our attunement. When you do your Reiki healing, you don't turn up on the day. There's a whole week prior to that where you have to take in three separate attunements. and certainly for the people in London that took their attunement in the recent um, September cohort, people were having some major experiences even before they were initiated. So for those who who feel called to do the Kondalini Reiki, I would, I would absolutely recommend it because no sooner had I finished mine, um, I was called to go over to the African continent to gambia during the month of ramadan to be with my cousin um and we were doing some work out there some some work with the local mosque and and the children but one of the things uh that happened while i was out there i was called to go down to the beach and um and i was i just stood there i wasn't sure why i was there at that moment in time and so i just stood there for five or ten minutes and gave thanks and as I was walking back to go to my room, the spirit said, "No, wait. Just take a seat." So I sat on a, a, a sun lounger that was near to the to the shore and just waited. And then I could feel the energy of what I what I was feeling from souls upon souls of sadness on that particular line of the beach. And it and it brought I could feel the energy of that. It brought me quite low. Um. And so I waited until I got the go-ahead to go back to my room. And then I was told I was going to do uh, Kondalini Reiki healing on that beach line, which for me was not at all what I was preparing for. I thought I was just going to do one-on-one healing with people, but I fed that information back to Gano as I was keeping in touch with him, and he gave me the instructions about what I needed to do in terms and Gano, please jump in. Oh, Oh, yeah, And, and this was
6: really... This was based on I, I gave you a ritual to do of offerings, yep. and this actually was based on one of the um, shows that we had talked about, right, Blue, when the sister was talking about how the sisters need to get together on the beach and give offerings to the water gods. So I had told Wendy that you need to get yep. some, you know, some natural, some natural elements and offer it to Olokun, Yemea, Oshun, Poseidon, and King Neptune, and they will in turn take that energy and help to repair our ecological system. So you did that, didn't you, Wendy?
1: I did that um, and because wow. I was really there as a tourist. I couldn't round up any other people at the time, but I certainly did it. And, you know, I think that if your heart is, is right and and you're called to do something, you know, it doesn't require a whole heap of people, one one powerful authentic car is enough. Um because when I was I, I had that feedback from Ghana and then I was just saying to the universal well, how do I do this and Gully Ghana, guess what's just happened?
6: What just happened?
1: <laughs> the TV's just put itself on.
6: <laughs>
1: <laughs> right.
6: Confirmation
3: I
1: must think confirmation. Right. And and the reason mm-hmm. why I'm sharing that is because um, to the audience, for the whole time that we were in Egypt, we would work out of um, one particular room, and the TV would do that. It would turn itself on and off to the point that... Um, and there were other orbs in the room and and things that I was seeing. So, you know, uh, the reason why I'm sharing that is because literally the TV just turned itself on because my energy level has just shot up. It, uh, talking about... Right. It's to say, yes, you're absolutely right. One is enough. So And by, I and, I went and, jack- and
6: by the way, Wendy, oh. that oh. happens because the kundalini, the kundalini energy, both of us being initiated, it does have an effect with the electricity around you. So this right. goes out to all of the people that I've initiated. If you're seeing that lights are flickering on and off or the TV's putting itself on or the stereo can, that's your energy affecting it. It makes you very, very powerful. But go ahead, Wendy.
0: Yeah. And I want so, to tell them about um, the
6: spaceship too, because that's one of the I main do, things. I do. I do. I will.
1: Well, well, the one, what the one when I was staying in the village, the picture, that one. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so. No, the spaceship firstly, from the first
6: night in Egypt when you were taken up. We were actually taken up, not just you.
1: Okay, right. So, when we. Um, we had, do you want me to talk about the wallet? No? Okay, so... Sure,
6: we can talk about that, too.
2: That's awesome. That's another miracle. <laughs> <laughs> there were
1: there were two two major incidents. One was um, several days before we went to Egypt. We went... Hello?
3: Oh,
1: sorry. Yeah, I want to let
3: our listeners... Hello?
1: Hello?
0: Yeah.
3: I want to inform our listeners that we have three minutes remaining from our live stream. If you want to continue with us, listeners, if you're listening on your computers you need to call in the three four seven six three seven twenty one thirty five. That is three four seven six three seven twenty one thirty five to continue with so us.
1: Please continue. Okay, I think I'll jump straight to when we when we uh in Kemet, the first the first night was, was very profound for me. Um I uh, I I had three uh, what we might cool dreams or visions. Um, each of those, I had three different sleeps that night. Um, after each sleep, I was woken literally out of one dream um, to get a break and then go back down to another dream. So in the first dream, um, I dreamt of that Ghana and I were actually in Egypt at our hotel, but there was a massive, massive... Um, storm that brewed up, which doesn't happen in Egypt, but that's exactly what happened and uh that was what I explain that one. Erisha, Shango, yes? Hello. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. yeah what I
6: was saying was, was Yeah, that was that definitely Shango and Oya yeah. letting yeah. Uh, letting us and know the, that they were present. on that trip, and they were overseeing and and making sure that we were good.
1: And then there was also the second dream was included a fertility, what we thought was a fertility goddess as well. Um, And then the third dream was that I was in a room, and Ghana was to my right, I was to the left. We were each, each in the corners of the room. If you can imagine, he was in the bottom right, I was in the bottom left. In front of me in the top left was a woman, and sat next to her was a man, but they were not looking directly at me. They were at 90 degrees to me. The woman was speaking to someone uh, who could have been an angelic, um, quite playful conversation. They were laughing. You know, it was obviously quite um, entertaining for both of them. They knew each other, and then that abruptly stopped, and then the woman looked down. And then she shot a side, she, she she was she was looking, she was on the side to me, but she looked directly at me and then broke contact. And that contact with me must have been for about five seconds. But I can tell you, I'm not easily intimidated, but that was, I wasn't frightened, but it was frightening. I can't explain the experience. It was powerful. And then she, when she broke contact, eye contact with me, she looked down and then she looked straight at Gano again for about five for as long as it takes to say she's clear. And she told him that, and then she turned away. And the guy that was sitting next to him had white hair, long white hair, he had a white beard, white clothing. He never said a word, and he never moved. It was almost like he was overseeing or, or just present. And I immediately woke up. That was my last dream. So that was three dreams or three different separate dreams that night.
6: And I have to jump in and say with that last occurrence is that being taken up on a ship is really powerful. Some people may ask, well, how is that? Because when you're taken up on those beam ships or the extraterrestrial ships, it has to be in your finer body. Because those ships are not made of any, anything that's physical. The higher-ranking ships are made of light. And the only way that you could fit on, your physical body would not be on there. They have to wait for you to go to sleep, for you to be invited, and that they can extricate you out and deal with you. That woman was one of my superiors. And as I explained to Wendy, which was very interesting, because of all of the things that were happening in Egypt at the time, Not that I was afraid, but I was very concerned and aware of the dangers of what could happen there. And I needed to be calm in order to perform everything that we ended up doing there in Egypt. So we were taken up on the ship, and the woman basically said, look, it's okay. And also, because Wendy is a ma'at, she's going to be getting certain codes and to... I can have confidence in the things that she is going to be bringing back to me in terms of her data and the things that she's getting. So that was a wonderful, wonderful confirmation. And that was the very first night that we were there. The presence of any man that's on the ship that has long white hair or beard is basically analogous to a God because their presence doesn't have to denote that. That would be hundreds and thousands of times more older than any of any man that fits that description on earth. Because in the finer worlds, you can control the way that you look. So you can literally be 10,000 years old and look as young as 35. But the presence of a man that looks like that means that he's many, many times older and he's most likely a god or an ish and he has full memory of all the lifetimes that he has lived mm-hmm. which is a which is a very very powerful and the fact that he didn't say anything also is powerful because he doesn't his presence just needs to be there and that's it so that's powerful wendy
1: so, yeah, I mean, one of the other things is that when you came back in June, you did the Kundalini Reiki initiation with us, but you also did the altar workshop. And one of my friends who was in the back back row of that, at that presentation, who doesn't have very good long eyesight vision, saw your eyes change green, and so did her companion. And she called me um, and inquired whether you wore colored contact lenses which I assured her you didn't, and asked her why, and she said, because she saw your eyes thicker green, and she couldn't, she could not believe what she was seeing, and you know, that phone call was also for me, because after the initiation, and we had been out, I saw the same thing, and so that was a prompt for me to draw that to your attention, so you know, that's something that I think that even even though there wasn't, we weren't clear what that was. We saw something in you. There were three of us that saw something in you, quite separately. Um, right. So you well, were one of the things that I would, thing.
6: <laughs> well, one of the things too that I wanted to explain um, is that first of all, the spirit knows exactly what it's doing. So it's really more for you guys to have confidence in what it is that I'm offering you. That they show you, and that's another thing I've asked the spirit to show improve or to give the people proof that what I'm doing um be present with me, and that's the reason why these anomalies happen. They show up in the pictures, or you may see my eyes change colors from the back of the room for three different women, one of them or two of them not having great eyesight, but that really is to confirm my 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 question please show these people that this is real. And the spirit doesn't do that unless you are um, qualified and they are rolling with you. So that's the evidence of it right there. And I was very, very appreciative of that because I've asked to be shown proof. And they do it through other people. And this is what you were saying before, Blue Pill. They constantly do it through other people, not through me. I could say on a soapbox all day, but when other people have the experience, that's where the truth and the value and the credulous is at. But thank you, Wendy. Go ahead,
0: please.
1: You you, you talked about the cosmic um, beacon, and I um, you asked you didn't know where I was in my process, and I've actually completed my first week. <clears throat> I um, I started my process last Tuesday, um, so I actually finished last night. And last night, or uh, certainly, I woke up this morning from yet another experience which I I shared with you earlier but um, I was woken and I could see um, a shaft quite from the whole of my torso area so for say my heart chakra right down um, my whole of my torso there was a light beam going straight up it was conical so it was round so not Mm -hmm. not straight but round going straight up to the ceiling And, and I I sat up and I, you know, I just lifted my head and I said, "What is that?" And they said to me, "This is, this is the, ch- this is the connection. This is the channel through which you're connecting to your cosmic parents." Um, wonderful. So that was that was. I have I have no idea. You know me. I have these experiences and me being <laughs> an apprentice. Um, you say it's wonderful and I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> what does it <that> mean? <laughs> Well, you know what it
6: is, the reason that I say it, it, it's wonderful, Wendy, and I wanted to go into this, um, this is a creation that I've asked the spirit world to give me, give me something that I can introduce to people so that they can have a connection with their parents that created their soul. I think that's a huge source of power, it's a huge benefit, and the fact that you had that is 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 wonderful and you know i have to tell the audience wendy is a very um learned well-read woman she's a uh a hypnotherapist she is qualified in nlp she corrects me all the time gamma that's not nlp you have to say no so
0: <laughs>
6: we you know she teaches me all the time she always corrects me when i say something that could be said better and I really, really value you know when you are able to reverberate these these things that happen. It's beautiful,
1: well, thank you, but we haven't finished and finally, <laughs> whats mm-hmm. um we took loads of photos and video footage, and i when Gano um mentioned to me that he was going to be going to Egypt and um that we would take this trip. I go to Egypt once twice a year. And then I was already mentioned that um, I was there earlier in the year initiating somebody else there. But I said to him, where do you want to go? And he said, no, I I need for you to plan that out, for you to decide. So, you know, that's pretty much an awesome. For somebody who has that um, level and leverage of spiritual background um, and knowledge, um, you know, I meditated on that. And I got clear about which temples um, we needed to go to. But what I wasn't clear about was the order in which we were gonna do it. And I wasn't gonna get that instruction until we arrived in 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 Kemet itself. And I deliberately say Kemet because I feel I'm a Kometian. I'm not an Egyptologist. Um, I go there because for me this is a spiritual journey and it always has been. I've been going for twenty five years. So, you know, this is a soul journey, it's it's not it's not just a purely academic thing. And um, so I'm aware of where to go and why I go there. I don't go anywhere for the first two days, primarily because, you know, it's 100 degrees. You have to, you have to acclimatize yourself. But no, I got the instruction that Gano was to be taken to Luxor Museum and Temple the first day. We got there, we took loads of photos. But the spiritual realm does use my photography to reveal themselves. And on the first day, when we played back the video footage, there, when I was videoing Queen Hatshepsut's um, obelisk, there we saw uh, an orb flying up it in the, the, you said it was snake-like, like a kundalini. Absolutely. Um, And that was on the first day. And that's just a snippet of other things, lots of other things that we captured, but there's another photo that I took of Gano where he's got the violet violet flame on his actual third eye. Um, there's another photo I took of him where he's got a profile um, of a violet outline, and these these colours are relevant. And you know, I'm sure everybody's got the ability to kind of do the research, but I think that will be for the book, Gano. Um, there's another photo where. There's a lot of orbs around um, Ganos' feet, and this is all in the temple of Abydos. This particular temple is um, a temple I always uh, feel to visit. It's dedicated to Osiris. Um, these orbs around his foot look like the constellations. We both agreed that it did, but he, we didn't know what it was. I asked the spirit world, what is it? And they said it's for healing now, it's not for me to know why or to understand it. I just passed that message on and, and that's what we did. And there are other temples that we went to. The only place that wasn't on the planned schedule was Aswan. And um I kept waiting for the green light because it kept coming up coming up while I was there. So I was like, okay, we got the green light. Um we went to Aswan and what we in fact on reflection we realized is that Aswan completed what was to be a triad of Osiris, Isis, and I'm just deliberately using those Greek t- names at the moment, um, and right. Horus.
6: Absolutely. But, yeah, that but, was, but, you
1: got, Gano, oh, go ahead, sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry, I was just going to finish by saying that you did an initiation when we went to um, the Medinet or the Temple of Hannu, which is um, a place where I've had massive orbs present themselves Um. And uh, you, you, you stuck some, you know, you did your, you did your stuff there, you did your ritual there,
0: <laughs> and right. you invited
1: me to join you in that. And I, even though I was meditating on that and asking whether I should do that, it didn't come through. And then after we'd been to the temple, and the following morning, I said to you, "I know what I must do," and I gave you my initiation that we must do when we went to the island of Philae, which is dedicated mm-hmm. to Osset. And I said to you, mine is an offering. It's a fruit offering. And I don't know if you want to (laughs) tell the story from there.
6: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm going to let you tell it.
1: Well, um, on the way, it's quite a long journey down um, down there. It's about a four-hour drive. And Blue, uh, are
6: you still with us, Blue? Are you still
1: there?
6: I just want to make sure you're still there, brother. That's all. Are we together? (laughs) Thank you. Okay,
1: um, go ahead, Wendy. So the only way you can get to that that island, which is um, is by boat, you can only go through 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 the Nile. Um, which Gano didn't know a lot of this stuff because Aswan is one of the most beautiful places that you can go. For me, it's the most African side of Khmer. It's it's very Nubian. It's it's Kushite land. This is my grand my great my yeah my grandfather is Somalian, so I have Kush, um, in my DNA, and so it's a very, very magnetic place to go for me. We went to the um, island of Philae, and en route, we had already prepared a, um, an offering, and, and we had that fruit in the box. In that box, we, we, we wrote symbology. When I was being initiated with my Kondalini Reiki, various symbols were presenting themselves to me through the attunements. So I, I had one of those symbols present itself which I drew in the box, um, Gano put his dedication um, in written form in there, I gave mine, and then you placed that into the Nile. So we did all of that, and our, our tour guide must have thought, oh, my God, who are these people? <laughs>
0: <But> the interesting <laughs>
1: thing was is that he went on to tell Gano and I that the next day, the Ethiopian government and the Egyptian government were going to be having a meeting to discuss the um, the sharing out of the Nile the Nile River waters, which, as you know, starts down in Uganda. So it's it, you know all of those countries have rights to that nourishment. So um, we the realisation of what that offering was really about became much more fuller. You see, what I'm learning over and over and over is that we are not to question the reason why. If we understand our connection with what the universe is guiding us to do, the realization of the full meaning and understanding of that will come through after. That's right.
6: And it's amazing that that happened, I believe, the day before the Mm -hmm. equinox. And that ritual had to take place, that offering had to take place so that the gods can add their energy to where it's needed the most. Obviously, whoever needs to benefit the most from the Mother Nile, they will usurp whatever the governmental red tape and fodder is, and that will be made. It only takes two people to, not two people, but I'm sure that there were other praying people that wanted the, the the best possible case scenario. But a ritual is a lot more powerful than a prayer, actually. So that's a beautiful mm. thing, and I'm glad that we were able to do that. And, Wendy, I also wanted you to talk about when I was doing the presentation, what you saw um, when you were videoing.
1: You're talking about the London, um, right, the presentation on Exalted Beings. Um yes. I was videoing, and the question in the audience came out, which I think is a similar question which came out in today's show, which is to do with, you know, whose will is, is governing all of this activity, um, mm-hmm. and and that was the debate, you know, who, in other words, what is creating um, the stuff that's going on in our lives, and... So the questions were going backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards, which I was videoing, and uh, the resulting remark was, "Will you it's our will." And but during that time, in particular, only in that time, um, Gano, uh, Gano's energy around him was illuminating my video camera, and I just explained to you, the spiritual world is using my photography and video footage to um, reveal themselves. Um, he illuminated. In fact, he he whited out completely, and the rest of the audience were overcast with um, with white. I, I can't, I can't. The room was just illuminated, um, and then it got to a point where uh, you were directing, the, having the direct conversation with John, your student, and then my camera literally uh through it was just on my my phone camera and it threw itself out, out of the um video application totally it didn't just stop it threw me right out of the whole application and for some <laughs> irrational reason i i looked to see what time it was i mean who does that and it was 4:44 exactly um
3: exactly wow
1: so you know and and you know michelle had the well, 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 <laughs> the incident well. with the 4:44
3: you said it was four forty
1: four.
6: Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> and and brother, see this is this is the reason why I wanted Wendy to because I didn't even tell you all of this stuff. Wendy's telling you from her mouth the things that she saw and that's not even the half of it. And they're all oh, miraculous <laughs> occurrences. So you know, it it I just think it adds more value to have someone else talk about it. But four, well, four, four, you're in, indeed.
1: When you, in, I mean, all of those photos. When I was even by the tree, I would say, "No, stand there, stand there." And when we were in Abydos Temple, and I was, I just lifted my camera up, and I saw a rainbow shoot between you and I. it Shot like an arrow going straight between us, and yeah. then I knew a rainbow was going to show up in that photo. I lifted the camera. The, the thing had shot past. I lifted the camera, took the photo of you, and there is a massive. It's not even an orb. It's, a, it's definitely, in a, 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 you know, an angelic presence. And also in the same place we have what looks like sort of of Archangel Michael. So, you know, we it, they were there and they followed us around. And you know, it, it, if you had asked me at the beginning of this year, Wendy, would you have believed any of this stuff? If you ever, I would have said, no way. But it's happening, <laughs> and and it's not just happening to Ghana, I mean, it's happening to us as initiates. Um, it's very clear. And as I said to Gano after he uh, completed the Kundalini Reiki initiation, I said to him, "You have not just given. This is not just Reiki. This is Reiki. This is Reiki plus. This is more. There's something more to to what we're being attuned to. And this is a, in a good way. I mean, this is positive stuff. Um, right. You know." So my level of confidence, um, and another level of, uh, and by that I mean another level of fearlessness in terms of, okay, yeah, the TV's just turned itself on and off, you know, and and then the spiritual realm presenting and revealing itself a lot more regularly now. In fact, I even expect to see something in the photos now, because it's not just for me. When I saw those orbs around um, Gano's foot when we were at um, Abydos, um, I said to him, what's becoming clear is one of my purposes. So it's not just the fact that you're going to be initiated and, you know, it's not about self-gratification. Yes, of course, you will be more enlightened and become self-aware and get clarification and clarity in terms of your life, but also you will become clearer about how you are to be of service to others and to humanity as a whole. And the bulk of the people on this earth, if they truly wanna really ask the question, the question, the question most people ask is, why am I here? What is my purpose? That's right.
6: And and I would also say, and that's very eloquent, Wendy. And I would just add my humble two cents to that: is being initiated has all of these counterparts that come with it. You know, you've been to you've been to Kemet. Many times, more times than most people dream about, and you've—I've seen the, the footage of you in the Hathor's Temple and looking up at the zodiac and all of those orbs <laughs> dancing around. <laughs> that <laughs> oh, oh, that,
1: that was in May, and that was yeah. after you did. That was after you laid hands on me, and then that was April, and then in May, and this wasn't planned. In May, yes. I went to Kemet and I took. A young protege of mine who who really wanted to go um, and and it was a blessing. It was an honour to take her, and she's just 24. Um, and she had the time of her life. But when I took those photos of the 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 the, the Zodiac I, and I showed that to Gano when he came over in June, I said to him, "This picture's spoiled." This po- and and that was the first <laughs> time he pointed out to me these are orbs. But when mm-hmm. I say orbs, there are about up to 20, 30 orbs above my head. At least. And, and my companions. And I sit and hold them a minute. I took video footage. And when you look at the video footage, they're all activated. They actually are spinning around.
6: They're dancing, and it's the they're, it's the
1: right. darndest <laughs> thing
6: you've ever seen. It's amazing.
1: It's amazing. Yeah. Now, and that's why I say I own that. That is how the universe is using me to communicate Themselves to me, but I know I have to share this with others. So, well, this one is of real. the things,
6: one of the things that I would say, and this goes for anyone who becomes initiated with Kundalini Reiki and whatever else that I give, what you're doing is you're giving the spirit world permission to open up the veil a little bit more and show you what's happening. And a lot of times it results in you having not, you know, you just having more of an ability to heal on a much bigger level, heal yourself, heal other people, affect the gravitational pull around you with electricity, with your dreams. It works with every area of your life. And it's really something that you have the ability to give yourself as a gift. So Mm. these are all These are all things that you've allowed to happen, Wendy, which is amazing. And I have to tell him about the wallet because the wallet, you know, the whole, (laughs) you know, blue. I want to tell you something, brother. There there was a couple of miracles. There was a few miracles. I think within a short amount of time, Wendy has seen so many miracles. She's just used to it. But we were on the plane from London to Egypt and... Wendy had gotten a huge amount of cash and had it in her wallet and when the plane touched down in Luxor, I saw her face go white. She said, Oh my god, my wallet. I said, What happened? She said, I lost my wallet. And I left it in the bathroom. So she goes to the bathroom, wallet is not there. We come back, we tear up the seats, no wallet. Blue. I'm thinking yeah. I said I said, I told her, I said, Mr. Wendy the wallet is not lost. And you know what I did? I said my heka'u, and I said, Archangel Michael needs you to do your thing. And then I said a couple of words of power, and we still did not find the wallet. So we were the last ones off the plane, of course. And then we went into customs, and there was a lady that was sitting next to us because it was a, you know, it was a big jet, and we suspected her that maybe she took it. And I kept saying, no, I, don't, I can't. So we were looking for this lady, couldn't find her. And all of a sudden, Blue, there was a knot in my pocket. And I, I, I'm, I just touched my pocket. I'm like, what is this? I looked, and the wallet somehow ended up in my pocket. And I had nothing to do with that. Now, Wendy was saying, oh, I gave you, I said, no, Wendy, you did not give me this wallet. See, the whole reality was rewound, and Wendy may have le- actually left the wallet in the bathroom, and that's fine. It, accidents happen, but the reality was changed the, me- the minute I uttered the heck I and asked Michael to spring into action and he put the wallet in my pocket and everything was fine. And that mm. happened a few times. So It happened
1: before, didn't it? It happened yes, when it we did. went I took you to the International Slave Museum up in Liverpool yes. and we were well, I won and I mean that was just a ridiculous day but the wallet was found when I got back home in the most ridiculously hard to find place but yet when I got home, my head was immediately pointed towards it. It was just ridiculous. I can't explain anything. Um, um, and in between those... but, so, but I
6: know, How are we doing for time, brother? Because I know it's it's getting late, brother. So it's, you know, what are you yeah. looking like?
3: We rocking. I had a similar we incident rocking. this um, past spring on Easter. I'm not going to go into the details of it on the phone at this particular time, but i let, i i um misplaced a sizable cache of items, you know what I'm saying and my estimation it was like probably worth a million dollars you know <laughs> my estimation and um this was on Easter, and I had did a ritual earlier that day um for Easter, I did a ritual where I enacted the raising of the sun and I did it with my jewelry. You know, I I, I um, brought out my gold jewelry line for my power pieces, and uh, I went to all of the spiritual uh, enclaves throughout Los Angeles that morning, uh, Agape being one of them as well, as well as West L.A., you know what I'm saying, and I um had the jury on, and later on in the afternoon, I met with my nephew, who I consider like my son as well, so the whole raising of the sun ritual, you know, I use the symbolism of the sun and gold to do this in my mind. And at midnight, when technically the days change over, I was actually listening to the group Midnight on my headphones. A little bit after midnight, I, I misplaced the cache of items. Um, three days later, I get a phone call from a friend's ex-wife who also uh, she also shares in the enthusiasm and the understanding of the law of 44. And her child was born on April 4th. So she calls me and tells me that the black bag, she didn't know anything about this incident. She said the black bag that she normally sees me with and because she knew the items that she found in the back of her car had to be mine because she identifies them with me. And she's like, what is your stuff doing in the backseat of my car? And I'm like, I have no idea. Can you please tell me? She said that she had left work. She worked at Central High School. She went to an Indian restaurant, right, across the Street from Sony Studios. And upon entering the restaurant, she forgot her feed. I mean, she forgot her credit card, her wallet, in the car. Now, prior to, let me say this, prior to her going to the restaurant and leaving from school, she had left her phone in the car, so she sent students inside of her car to search it upside down. It's a small, compact car, but it's all black. The seats the black car is black, right? So, like I said, she knew nothing was in the car. She goes to the restaurant to get the Indian food. She has to go back into her car to get the wallet, okay? When she goes and gets the wallet, there's the black cachet bag in the back seat of her car open. Everything that I left inside of it is still there wrapped up. She calls me immediately. What's your stuff doing in my car? You know what I'm saying? How did it get there? There was nothing in my car. And I'm like, you tell me. You know what I'm saying? Uh You know, at this particular time, this is when I steadily started getting into the research into um particles and waves and entanglement. Shout out to Minister Jew. His brother also came along at a very vital time when he was able to um you know make sense of things that I wasn't able to make sense of by giving me information that helped me and then science all of the science journals started coming out with what they said were breakthroughs in science where they're like, look, we were just able to transport we were just able to Transport a particle. So now science is saying that these things that we are doing in the quote unquote supernatural world are now natural occurrences because they have broke through and done them. They haven't quite figured them out yet, but because we are experiencing these things in our reality, which goes back to what I said, right? Who has a superior claim on the thought manifesting into reality in this realm to say, Oh, I experienced this. Now, the rest of the world is going to experience it because, you know what I'm saying? Maybe That's I got right. the mind of the That's so, right. But we share, you know, that particular faculty, you know, those are the children of the So it's like when we experience these things and they become a reality in our physical world, you know, like I said, it, 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 it's going to be interesting. You're going to see more and more. People are going to say that they have these experiences, science is going to say, we can now explain these or duplicate these experiences, okay? They were able to, they've done so many things in science since that time in April that that incident took place where they have gone just even a little bit beyond that level of entanglement. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Right? So they've so actually like send emails to to one mind, like one person would be in London, the others would be in Hawaii and they're sending these signals through their minds, you know what I'm saying? Clear communications or what have you. So yeah, these 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 are some very interesting comings and some very interesting times that we live in. And um you know, so if you share that story to me it's not foreign. I'm like yeah that pretty much links right up here with what I experienced and I've experienced things afterwards It has an intense amount for that. So, you know, what else can you account it to?
6: Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I love it. I'm very, very (laughs) grateful for that when that happens as well. You know what I mean? But, yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? It It really is. is. (laughs) All right, brothers. Well, I'm looking (laughs) at this, this clock, one, two, three, four. And I've got to run, but Wendy, you know, if you guys want to stay on a rock, please do.
1: No, 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 I need to go to sleep. It's coming up to 6 in the morning. You've got to be joking. Oh, my goodness.
6: <laughs> yeah, thank
1: you. <laughs> okay.
6: All um, right. So it, it's been a good build. Oh, yeah. of it. And I, I think um, I ask anyone who's ready to take the next step in the evolution that there are many different things you can do. I have many different modalities from Ancestor Money to the Cosmic Beacon to my program, um, Spiritual Advisory, Kundalini Reiki Initiation, um, presentations, the discourses, plenty of videos on YouTube, plenty of interviews just on KTL alone. I think this is my fourth time on the show. Take advantage of it. And... You know, Wendy, I just want to say I just want to thank you for being my co as they say, on the streets, but I really appreciate and honor you for being such a great hostess and taking such great and wonderful care of me out in Kemet. You are a great host out there. That is clearly You're your welcome. backyard. And um, <laughs> yeah, I, I look forward to bringing the people out there that wish to come with us in March and that's something that we will announce very soon. We're putting everything together and you know, you guys keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. We definitely
3: appreciate tonight's presentation. We appreciate the presence of you both. Um again, this is a special honor myself being a twin and that connecting with the energy of Yahudi by way of Gemini and Mercury, this being in Mercury retrograde and we still got our communication through, it shows that, you know, our intent is more powerful than people's hysteria, you know what I'm saying? So I appreciate the opportunity to demonstrate um, such assurance. Absolutely. And I, 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 I definitely would, uh, you know, suggest that the family hop on this opportunity to transform your life, transform your reality, and become one of the doers on this planet. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's right. So what we're talking about and the enthusiasm that we're expressing, you would not, you know, it might sound entertaining to you, but until you participate and have one of these events actually happen in your life, until it becomes real, real to you, then you would never really understand where we're at with it, you know what I'm saying, and the level of excitement that we're going through just talking about it, the fact that you can tell it to anybody, you know what I'm saying, we're straight with straight face without blinking, it's what we experience. No one can take that away from us. And once you've been touched by those experiences, you know, you all the way in, you're part of the club, so get down with us, you know what I'm
6: saying. Um, all right. The
3: okay, well, I'm, I'm
1: finding out. I'm going to sign okay. out.
6: Good night, Wendy. We'll talk very
1: <laughs> soon. Yeah.
3: Okay. Yes. okay. Peace. Okay. Peace. Bye. Okay. Yes, sir. Let them know
6: one more time. Good Like to kiss. Galacticus. Good Like to kiss dot com. We're on Facebook. We're on the net, and uh, we're on YouTube as well. And I'm going to be having a multi-dimensional self presentation on Staten Island November the 16th on Sunday we're going to start it at 12 o'clock noon the actual the it's going to be on waste Street. I just don't have the exact number the flyers will be created in the next day or so and I'm going to be doing another kundalini Reiki initiation levels 1 2 & 3 with certificate and all of the other bells and whistles that come with it that is a major empowerment And that will be coming up uh, shortly after the 16th. I'm still choosing the date. And um, that will be very, very wonderful for anybody to be part of. And, uh, you know, thank you for having me on again, Blue Pill. And good night, everyone.
3: Thank you, my brother.
6: Thanks.
3: Yes, indeed, family. Again, we thank you for joining with us past the... uh, twelve AM Mark, you know, continue in with us on another excellent informative, exciting, invigorating show. We will be back here this coming Friday with another program uh for you. Sure to open your faculties of thought, you know what I'm saying, and push the ball a little bit further upwards. Um of course it would be remiss in the United States tonight's program is sponsored by Kings County. Big Cartel. Com. That dot Big Com. Right. And program has also been brought to you by our sponsor. show go big. Okay, the home of liquid gold, as well as silver, gold, top, and various other items. You can to check us out. We are back in business. I think we have my website back up in order. All right. Let's play the commercial real quick, and we'll be checking out.
6: From times of lore, agents believed gold aided in prolonged lifespans and cured many diseases. It is proven to enhance mental astuteness and sharpen intuition. Gold aids in optimal bodily function and increases electrical conductivity and cellular electrical impulses. Gold can balance energy fields and
5: is beneficial for opening and balancing the crown, heart chakra, and the third eye. One of the main benefits from an active third eye, or pineal gland, is the ability to have lucid dreams. This elixir of life is now available in 2 ounces for an amazing low price of $49.99. Our bodies are our temples, and Soul
6: Gold Liquid Drops is essential to our transformation. Order now.
2: Go to www.soulgoldbiz.com today.